because right. we did that once already. Yes, we did. And one we had this, way. like, awesome 20-minute conversation with someone. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you guys. It's just gone forever. That's happened to us on Camden Tub so many times. Oh, look at that. Three seconds in, he's already plugged his own podcast. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) All right. So, Andrew, welcome to episode 46 of Out Off Topic. You are? I am your host, Andrew. And I am the host, Brad. And we have a guest tonight. We've got Cam. Yeah, Cam from the Camden Tub podcast. I'm so happy to be on. 46 episodes already. Yeah. Hey, that's what happens when you start doing two a week. The number number builds up quick. We're almost here. I know. Just like I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really impressed. You guys have grown very quickly. You guys uh, rapidly become uh, like around episode twelve. I could have said this, or like before, like episode three. I could have been like, you guys have rapidly become one of my favorite automotive podcasts. Oh, that's good to know because you know a little bro love here. You and Brad, other other Brad, for those that listen to Canton Tub, Tub is actually Brad. Uh, yeah. We're one of our main. Texting. One of our main inspirations for starting this podcast, actually. Yes. So, I'm so happy to hear that. That really, that's really, really wonderful to hear. Yeah, because we listen, uh, we listen to you feel guys. Like I'm doing some good in the world. Yeah, actually, yeah, we, we, listen, we listen to you guys, and we both listen to you guys, and we're like, hey, we should no, maybe give this a, give this a go. You know, I don't want to sit here and be like, if they can do it, we can do it, because that's not what I mean. Like, it's definitely not that kind of a thing. But I mean, I can joke around like that. So, yeah. If Cam and Brad can do it, we can do it. No, <laughs> no. But if you don't yeah, listen, to, if you don't listen to Camden Tubbed, um, and you listen to us, I'm surprised. So if you don't listen to Camden Tub, please do because they're like us, but they've been doing it longer. Yes, um, they are inspiration for doing it, and they're more professional than us and less professional than us all at the same time. So they're very entertaining. We're more what, we're more what than you? You're more professional less? and less professional at the same time. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because there's, like, there's the professionalism aspect of, like, doing it longer and just kind of, like, having the format and everything worked out. And then there's the unprofessional part of, like, um, me getting really drunk and or um, <clears throat> going for a slow ride before the podcast. Right. And, uh, and or, like, uh, or, you know, like the one time I was a guest on someone. So the, this wasn't the last time I was a guest, but my most infamous guest appearance was on a dearly departed podcast where I told a very risque story. Yes, that I'm sure you guys are aware of. Yeah. Yes, we're so, very we're very aware of that story and the defunct podcast. And you can go listen to that on that podcast. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. still, it still exists. So, <laughs> funny story about that. That was the first time I'd ever told anyone that story. Yeah, like ever. And he told the world. And I told the world. And a guy who heard that podcast became friends with me and introduced me. To a guy from Auto Week magazine who was letting me write um, a story for AutoWeek.com about my Nissan Stanza. Excellent. So, in a way, it was a good thing. Yeah, it was a really good thing. Yeah, that's it was awesome. Like a potentially a really good thing. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't very aware of Auto Week magazine until recently. Um, I mean, I was aware of it, but I wasn't really um, familiar with the format, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they did a small article last year, one of the writers on my Sapporo. Um, and then of course your co-host Brad got a cover this year. So that really kind of yeah. brought everything there. And I really started yeah, you're, to, you're Sapporo. I was following that car before we were friends. Yes. That kind of car brought us together a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you are like yeah, no. second in line to buy it. I think, I think Andrew is first in line if he ever wants it and you're second in line. So 
Yeah, I will. I will sell things to make that happen. Like if you told me after I got done putting all the work into the E34, and you're like straight trade for the E34, which is like like a forty five hundred dollar car as it sits. Yeah, they're about, like, the, they're about the same value. Yeah, I mean like that. That's um, before. Like the second I saw the video, the, the the not original owner, but I guess the first owner that put it online. Yeah, the one who bought it from the junkyard. Um, yeah, the guy that Forrest, it from For, the Forrest, who's actually become very um, well known in the BMW community. If you didn't know this, um, have you heard of the uh, 2002 spoilers by Kugelworks? Yeah, yeah. That's the guy that that's the guy that got the support from the junkyard. Oh, same dude. Yep, yep. For, Forrest Forrest Kugel. Okay. Not like a cool yeah. pressure pump. No, like, C, like, like K-O-O-G-L-E, yeah. like like Google with a K. Yeah. Yeah, so Kugel so, works. The guy does the spoilers is the guy that saved that car because he's actually a giant Mitsubishi nerd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that video that he put online of, like, all the the um, the voice warning systems and that right. interior. Yep. Just like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I love that car. And now by the time if I ever do sell it, which is a very unlikely unlikely scenario but if i ever do uh, i will have already spent all the aggravation and time fixing all the stupid little problems so you'll get a greater greater better car yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but anyway so uh, this is cam as we said he hosts the cam and tubbed podcast um we kind of don't want to subject the audience to cam's car history because you know they can listen to Just listen to back his, episodes of his cam podcast yeah. um yeah but yeah, i think I, I, right now i have like six between between my girlfriend and I, we've got seven cars. Two of them are hers. Right. Wait, seven. I think. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not doing this for a fact. This is like I seriously do have to think about it. Someday. I always forget myself, so don't worry about it. Right. You're you are a serial car hoarder, much like I am. Really? Yeah. Yeah. With a very similar log of cars, too. Actually, a lot of rotaries and old Japanese cars and old German cars. So. Yeah, I want to say seven cars. Because there's the two BMW wagons, the Mazda 2, the Mazda 3 now, the RX-7, the Mustang, the um, the Porsche, the Stanza, eight. eight. Jesus Christ, eight cars. Yes, eight cars and like 13 <laughs> motorcycles now I think you're up to. No, no, I only <laughs> have a, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one motorcycle and two mopeds now. Well, it, it, you don't have a Vespa too? I thought you had a Vespa. Or your mom had the Vespa. Somebody had a Vespa. It's my mom's Vespa. I haven't. Okay. Somebody put in the wrench time. I haven't taken delivery yet. Um, oh, okay. Okay. But, yeah, it's – um. so the thing is is that I got an opportunity. I have an opportunity. Uh, I can't talk today. I have an opportunity to write about motorcycles, specifically small motorcycles for Ride Apart, okay. um, which is a really awesome motorcycle website. Um, and kind of my in with them is is that I love small bikes. And I wanted a small bike to write about. Um, best parents gave me this uh, Pook Maxi that had been sitting in their garage for like 20 years that needs everything. And it was easier to buy another Pook Maxi to hot rod and then use the stock parts to fix that one up than it was to just buy parts to fix this one up that had been sitting for 20 years. Right. And uh, and it's also way cheaper than buying the Vespa. Oh yeah, a Pook would be cheaper than a Vespa. Mm-hmm. Pook, pooks are fun though. We we have a friend out here that hot rods Pooks, um, and I kind of have said ever since I did it that you haven't really lived until you've done forty five miles an hour on BMX tires. 
<laughs> yeah, for real. Like yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was riding up to KFC today, and my street is downhill. Yep. And um, <laughs> I was like, I was hitting like twenty three, twenty four indicated on the speedometer, and like you start to feel the wind in your hair. Yes. Like right above twelve miles an hour, and it starts to feel like you're really going. And I was like, what would twice this feel like? Yeah, and I was like completely terrified by the thought of it it's 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 absolutely frightening because like when it comes to motorcycles or scooters i'm like a total like at cat guy but on the moped i'll wear shorts and sperries and no helmet because i figure if i get in a rack and a moped i want to die because i don't want to have to live with having the story yeah the story and like gotten injured right yeah what happened to you so. i crashed a moped yeah. Oh, yeah, I crashed a moped. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think that, you know, your family would be pretty upset if you were killed on a moped and they forever had to say, here lies Cameron. He killed killed on a moped. So so a funny drunken conversation I had with my girlfriend, and this isn't moped related. It was just a general statement. But I pointed, I said dying is the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you. Okay. And I don't quite understand 100% what I meant drunkenly by that <laughs> statement, but I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, it's like dying stocks. It's really embarrassing. But you don't have to worry about it, though. Yeah, I mean, it would be really embarrassing if you did, though. Yeah. yeah I, I guess. Because then they'd be like, what happened to Brad? Oh, he's dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That is sad. Or, conversely, that is not sad, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. So, do you ever think about the yard sale you'll leave behind? Um, <laughs> funny story. I won't get too far into it, but I just had one of those that I wasn't I wasn't aware of until after it was pretty much happening. So, uh, oh. yeah, that's that they're, they're inter- be interesting. I think. <laughs> um, uh, somebody, if somebody came by my house that was really into diecast cars, they would have a field day. Yep. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, that would have been. Wow. Like. Well, get with me after this, because I think I know the situation, and I think I've been through a similar situation. Okay. And like, <laughs> yeah. I think I went through the same situation, like, twice back-to-back. All right. Well, I didn't lose any die-cast cars, so that's good. Yeah. But, yeah. You, anyway. you didn't lose any? I, did, I didn't, no. But I did have, you know, lack of a vacuum for a while and some other things. But that's yeah. beside the point. Moving on to the next topic. This uh, is, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about, Andrew? What, what topics do we have to discuss with Mr. Cam this we, evening? We, I think, are kind of of the same... I guess I called it car reality, okay. so to speak. So, like, we don't – I don't think we aspire to own a supercar. Do you? I don't think you do. I don't, I definitely no. don't. Well, Cam has a car that's of the higher ilk than anything we own. He has a uh, G-Body 911. A Porsche. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I bought it when it was a cheap car, though. Like, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, I bought it when – I knew it was going to be an expensive car, and I bought it. So I think – when you talk about like the social, the socioeconomic strata that we that we all exist on, we're in the place where like a like a two thousand dollar car, we can buy a two thousand dollar car and not worry about it. Yeah, like and it won't sink us financially. But at the same time, if that car then needs a thousand dollars worth of work, it's a problem. You know, so it's like we're in a, we're in a constant situation of simultaneously being able to afford and not afford project cars or like well i think that you have the same problem that i have where you buy the two thousand dollar car and then it breaks and needs a thousand dollars of work so instead of putting a thousand dollars worth of work into it you just buy another thousand dollar car yeah 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 that's kind of where i'm getting with this yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So when I when I had made the when I made the agreement to buy the Pook, Beth's new Mazda hadn't come in at the dealership. She was driving it. I didn't have valid plates for the Mustang, and everything else I owned was broken. Okay. So I was carpooling with someone to work for like four days. This this is a familiar situation, Cam. So don't worry about it. I I also have a high quantity of vehicles, um, and I currently have one that I can drive legally. Yes. Yeah. So well, my insurance, my vintage car insurance, has lapsed, and I haven't had a chance to fix that yet. So the vintage cars that run can't be used, and every car that's not a vintage car, quote unquote vintage car, because they're all vintage, but the ones that aren't mm-hmm. in the vintage insurance policy are broken except for my stupid truck. So I'm driving yeah, around I mean, getting terrible gas mileage right now. <laughs> so I'm, like, really hustling this year to, like, I wouldn't have bought the second Pook if I didn't have an opportunity to write about it and basically have it pay for itself within, like, a couple months. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm really trying to, like, hustle this year and just basically get everything running and driving and safe. So that I can spend next year, like, enjoying it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but you have an, a whole Ohio winter to play hell with that plan in between. Yeah, so I have a whole Ohio winter to, like, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Either to get everything going or, because I actually have my own garage to work in now, and it's not heated, but it's it's a newer garage, and it seals up nicely enough that I could get away with putting a portable heater in it there. Mm-hmm. A kerosene heater. The other thing, though, is that in April, I'm getting a Corvette. Yes, nine cars. Yes. This is a late model C3, correct? It's a 79 L48 automatic C3. So depending on who you ask, it is literally the least desirable Corvette ever made. Yeah. Mm, I think it would be Brad's dad's. No, no, no. 79 is slightly less desirable than the, than the 80, 81. 81. Actually, I thought it was an 80, because 79 doesn't 80. have the deep deep front air dam that the, that the 80 has. Yeah, so yeah, so 80 to 82 has the cool air dams, and 79 was like the most common year. Yeah, and it was it's like, the base model so and very, an auto. So. Lot, they put parked side by side. They're very thin-looking cars compared to the 80 to 82. Oh, so. This is the Crossfire? No, it's carbureted. Oh. Yeah, the word Crossfire yeah. injected till 82. Cross-dress injection. So Andrew is not a Corvette enthusiast, so he doesn't have the dates down correctly. Uh, I was forced so to be a Corvette enthusiast as a child, so. Yeah, so it's like me growing up as, like, a red-blooded American boy and, like, growing up in the Midwest. Like, being a Corvette guy was kind of like it was just expected. So yeah, like when it's, I was it's what you aspired to. About, yeah, so it's like a weird kid reading about cars. I aspired to a Mustang, but I just learned a lot of stuff about Corvettes because if you wanted to read about cars and take car books out from the library, it was all, like, Corvettes and Mustangs. Oh, exactly. And yeah. yeah. Like, I know an unreasonable amount of stuff about Corvettes and Thunderbirds. Those are my two, you know, Corvettes, Thunderbirds, and Camaros are my three main uh, car knowledge things. Brought on to you by my father, because my father has a 1980 C3 that he's owned since 83. He currently still has it. Um, And all through the 80s and 90s, he had um, three Thunderbirds, two 57s, and a 63 Roadster. So. But so I knew those cars inside and out, and you know, and I have my Camaro, and he has a Camaro that he said he's got a '67 Camaro that he said since 1974, so that predates even me in his life. So I was forced I really to forced into Camaro, those cars. So. Yeah, I do too. I just wish it was running right now. Yeah, I like early C3s. 
No, early CT. Yeah, well, nice. I like them. So I like them as separate cars. It's like the long hood, short hood 911 thing. It's like, why why can't you just like them both as separate cars? Yeah. They're like um, periscopic Countaches versus like an LP 5000. Or sorry, like a 5000S. What I like about that is you can like them as separate cars or dislike one and not the other. Yeah. Because so I have no interest in a 5000S, but I would love uh, an early, you know, Countach with the traditional design that was designed by um yeah oh see i want yeah. all the wings no but like in all reality like <laughs> so i call the 5000s my goldilocks Kuntash because the 25th anniversary is disgusting to me that is a very uh i use this quote a lot uh lug- or luxury is the opposite of vulgarity that car is definitely vulgar and the, the, the 25th anniversary, like, if you think the 5000S is vulgar, put it next to a 25th anniversary car, and it's, it's like, it's a shrinking violet compared to the, the 25th anniversary Especially car. a 25th anniversary car with American bumpers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. The whole Mario <laughs> mustache on the front. Yeah, that but might like, be... Yeah, like, um, that might be the worst Italian the car ever built. The 5000S is, like, that's a really cool car to me, because it forces you to have an opinion on it. Yeah, Any that's Kuntat, true. really. You can't not have an opinion on a Kuntash. You can be you can be kind of cool on a Testarossa. You can be kind of cool on a 911 Turbo, or even like even a slant nose conversion. There's people out there that are just like don't care either way. I'm kind of one of them. Hmm. But a Kuntash, you have to either really like the Kuntash or hate the thing. Yeah, I don't know many people that hate all Kuntashes, but definitely some people share you know the opinion we just stated of. Really disliking late model Countaches. It's right up there with yeah. late model Pantera GTSs. Yeah, yeah, the, Pan- yeah. the Pantera is a very similar looking car to a Countach. All right, but All right, then that. you get to the late model GTS and it's got the stupid wings on it. It just ruins mm. the ruins the look yeah. of the car. Okay. So anyway, Andrew obviously wants to move on topics here. No, so what do you no, got? No, no, <laughs> no, we can keep talking. I mean, it's the, just... the other thing, really quick, and I think this is a segue Andrew wants to make. And I'm sorry for taking the reins for a second. No, please don't. You, 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 you are the you are the guest, so take the reins. Oh, thank you. Uh, that means I get controller one, right? Um, uh, it just means you can't talk about Beach Boys. That's the only thing that we're not allowing on this podcast. <laughs> a, yeah. yeah, a little inside humor for the Canada Dub fans. Um, but I feel like I, I don't get to talk about all the goofy, nerdy shit, like peripheral car-related stuff that I'm into on my podcast, so I'm, like, really excited. Yes, that was actually, I think that was uh, Andrew's main point of... Uh, other than just liking you genuinely as a person, that was one of the main yeah. points of having you as a guest was because you are into the same crap we are. That was the first episode I listened to, and you guys started talking about diecast, and I was like, "Up, oh, all right, I'm on board." Yep, yeah. And you started talking about RC yeah, cars, Brad, and then Brad, Brad shoots the it down, and a little. yeah, yeah. I like the. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll start with diecast. So, like, I'm currently into like if I see a 143rd scale, I like, I'll buy it. I don't need to have them all. But I'll buy a yeah. one forty third scale. I'm over the one eighteenth. They take up too much space, in my opinion, and I don't think they're as detailed. Hey, what is it that Brad calls the one eighteenth? Like trash level diecast cars. Yeah, which is dumb because I've got like GMT stuff that's like really fucking nice. It it, it is, and you're you're absolutely correct. But I think as a casual diecast collector. I think that a lot of the 118 scale stuff people are familiar with is my style and Barago twenty dollars yeah. stuff at the yeah. toy store, which which is yeah. So I have like I actually have like a couple of those in my basement on um on my bar, 
just because like like sitting outside of their case because they're just kind of nice little um window dressing pieces or set pieces or what have you but have you had them probably for 20 years um it's one of those things where if it's 20 bucks i'm gonna buy it if it's like a 20 (laughs) dollar die cast it's anything that i own or like i'm interested in so like with 143rd so it's like i could have like a lot of 143rds are really expensive, but like if I could have three 143rds or one really nice 118th, back when I had the space, my parents' house, I would have opted for the 118th, and I did. Okay. So I've got like a half dozen or more really well detailed 118ths. Yeah, that's about the same amount that I have as far as nice 118ths. I probably, you know, from childhood have, you know, 30 yeah. or 40, you know, of the lower level 118ths, but. I, I have, I think, maybe five high-end 118ths that, you know, get special yeah. privilege. I never got into the super nice 118ths. I have a bunch of the Ertles from the 90s and then the yeah. later stuff, which actually the Ertles in the 90s were pretty nice. Yeah, they weren't bad, but compared to the nice stuff now, they're trash level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them were worth quite a bit back yeah, for a day. little For a little time, they were worth some money. I think yeah. they've got bottoms kind of falling out of that market. Yeah. But. So I got to ask you guys what your opinion is. Uh, or here's the other thing I really like. I really like a cheap die-cast car that's more detailed than you would expect or better proportion than you would expect. Oh, yeah, like a Yatming car or Sunstar, whatever company it is like, now. Yeah, like a lot of the Welly stuff is actually really nice. Yeah, the, I actually have a couple of the, like, $5 Rite Aid pharmacy ones just yeah, because yeah. they were <laughs> of a obscure subject and they're half-decent. Like it, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I go into a Rite Aid, and they have a 124th scale diecast of a Volkswagen Quantum. I can't not buy it. Like, oh yeah, it shouldn't. I'm exi- not even a Volkswagen guy, and if I saw a Quantum diecast, I would buy yeah, it. Yeah, should, it shouldn't exist, you know. But it does. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna buy that. And at the time, I drove an Audi 4000 daily, oh. um, and it's the same car, you know, minus the yeah, qua- yeah. minus the Quattro with a five cylinder. It's the same base car with a four cylinder and a front wheel drive. So, but it was like. What is this doing here in Rite Aid in the middle of Maine? I think I'll be buying this for $10. So they're usually like impulse buys, the cheap ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you don't go look Most of my diecast are impulse buys. I have cases and cases of Hot Wheels that I've bought over the years. And oh. I keep them in the packages because they're easier to store that way. Yep. And Hot- now the cards are different than they were in the 90s because in the 90s all the cards were the same, but yeah, now generic. it's got art of the car on the card. Yes. Yes, which is it actually really more cool. more to keep it in the package. So... The problem with those, though, is that they are a dollar, and all of a sudden you're leaving the store with 10 of them, and you're like, oh, that's 10 bucks. Yep. <laughs> that's so not a problem. I have a picture somewhere on my Facebook of when the um, Ken and Mary Skyline casting came out. Yeah, in plain white. In plain white, and I went to Walmart, and I bought, no joke, like 15 of them. Yeah, I did the same oh, thing. I went guy. through like an entire bin of doom and bought all of them. I yeah. mean, I live in the Midwest, so it's not like anyone else cared at that point. Yeah, before they were oh. popular with the uh, "quote unquote" scalpers on eBay. Oh, it's so annoying. I went. Yeah, to... so I didn't. I didn't buy them to be like the scalper guy. Yeah, you just wanted them to give to your friends. I just want them. Yeah. So like, I've given like there might come a chance. Like, if I find out one day that car's worth twenty bucks, you can bet your ass like five of them are going on eBay. But yeah, exactly. Periodically, I'll be like, it was about. It was when they started coming out with other colors of like the. Because they would usually release it in two colors, and then when, like, the third color would come out, and I'd be like, okay, like, Hot Wheels is sticking with this. They're going to do a lot of old Japanese cars. And yeah. I stopped being so obsessive about it, but, like, yeah, oh, it's like three pretty, or four of the Celicas. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I, when, when it first started with the 510 and the, and the first Skyline, I was hoarding every one that I found. Yeah. 
just because I thought yeah. this is a rare moment in time. It's never going to happen again. Yeah, and exactly. Now I, it's mean, I, thing. I remember as a kid when they did the 99 Civic SI casting. I think it was a 99. Uh, I don't and know I was that. like, and there was like a Celica too. Like they were starting to do like import tuner die casts. I was like, whoa. Yeah, and as a kid, yeah. I didn't even... It was a red Celica when it first came out. I remember that one. Yeah, it was a red, and then they came out with a yellow one, and then they had yep. the red Civic, and I can't remember the other color they did the Civic in, but it had, like, the wing on it and stuff. Yeah, it was, like, the hatchback Civic, like, right? No, it was a sedan. The SI. Is that what hmm. they were trying to do? I don't think yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, it's like a 99 SI or something. Hmm. I, 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 you, know what, you know what? Actually, that's they did do that because I have the Boulevard version of it, and it has, like, a Wings, uh, West, has like a Wings West body kit on it, though. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I need to look for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because I own one of those cars in real life. Yeah, it's not a stock casting though. It's a, no. it's, it's a very, it's a very period correct two oh, thousands right. casting right, with, right. you know, Wings West body yeah. kit, and I think it has like a half cage in it with two bottles of nitrous in the back seat. Yeah, <laughs> I went to a K day yeah. one time. The only time I ever went when they came out with the the black five ten wagon. Yeah, K day for those of us that are listening that don't know what it is is. Uh, do you have Kmart's there in Ohio? Mm-hmm. He does. Okay, I figured it. They're much. almost. They're almost all. They almost all went out of business. Yeah, same. It's the same here. I think the chain is pretty much out of business. But a K Day was a day for Hot Wheels collectors where Kmart got an exclusive, three exclusive cars, and you got mm-hmm. like. And you can tell that the workers that work there love it. It's their favorite day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're all so excited to hand out the, the the tags to the nerdy Hot Wheels collectors that were there to collect the yeah. special Kmart cars. But anyway, yes, I, was... I mean, I never, I never went to a K Day because it was just Kmart was one of those things that I thought would always be around. I thought Sears would always be around, and then Eddie Lampert happened, and then Eddie Lampert got kidnapped, and then they made the mistake of freeing him after three days, and then he ran one of America's oldest companies into the ground. I don't know that whole story, um, but oh, I, yeah. I do know you yeah, guys had an episode off. about uh, about the rise and fall of uh, Sears one point one point in your life one point in the yeah podcast life if, if you if you get the urge to uh to get pissed off more than you already are look up Eddie Lampert and uh and this is like one of those where I would do like a Sam Hyde bit where it'd be like man it'd be a real shame yeah if like you know like somebody kidnapped Eddie Lampert again and like killed him like I would hate for that to happen I hope that doesn't happen correct we really hope it doesn't yeah, happen so so yeah, making death threats on your podcast, whatever. It's all right. Maybe this will be your 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 into automobile magazine now. Yeah, yeah. The um, um, well, not a magazine. I'm going to be on the website, but that's still a huge deal for me. No, it's hey, listen. It's any any anybody that wants to publish anything I want to do is a welcome addition into my life. And you know, Andrew's writing for Right Foot Down now, right, Andrew? That's right. And he's got a couple pieces published now. And I mean, you know, Right Foot Down's not Auto Week, but hey, it's pretty big and it's pretty cool for for him so anything you can get online is better than nothing so hey oh yeah absolutely i mean brad gave me an opportunity with uh, a now defunct website he started called bavarian drive yep and i think i i think over a year i published like three or four pieces on bavarian drive i sucked and then manual with internet brands gave me a chance and i thankfully have uh took advantage of that opportunity yeah which a lot more very happy for you and Brad, both over there with the manual. It takes, uh, it takes some hustle, as I like to say. You gotta, um, it, it really, it really does. And from the outside, it looks like you're having a lot of fun because you are. I mean, if it's if it's what you're passionate about, it's a great time. But like from the outside, it looks like it's all like burnouts and handshakes. Yeah. And it's like, 
nobody is going to be interested in an Instagram post of me at 3 a.m. listening to the same strokes record for the fourth time because I've run out of records because the invoice is due tomorrow <laughs> and I have to write a lot more so that I can pay my mortgage. Yeah. And you're staying up all night writing while your significant other is like in another part of the house, just like sitting alone, stuff like that. Or you're editing photographs yeah. for hours on end. And like, Right. You're staying up all night writing. And then the next day you have to go to your other job that, you know, your main job yeah. at 8 o'clock in the morning. And you're yeah. like, oh, man. Yeah. So there is a lot of hard work behind the scenes. But it is a lot of fun, though, when you get to go to events. Yeah. Well, I get to ride on Andrew's coattails because I don't actually write anything for anybody, but it's still fun to go and, you know, get a little bit of extra access sometimes from his media so we, passes. We do, this, we do this because it's fun, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how Brad and I started. We started doing Camden Pub because it was fun, and then we both ended up building careers on the back of it, so. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, given how good you guys are versus how long it took us to get decent, I don't see any reason why you guys can't, you know, leverage what you're doing here. Well, the problem is we live in Boston, um, which makes it a little harder because there's not a lot of things based out of here. And, you know, Brad has the advantage of being you know, a few hours drive from California and knowing everybody, which yeah. helped a lot, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Living within like a two and a half, three hour drive of Detroit has helped me immensely. Yeah, especially these last few weeks. I've been super jealous of your trips to like the Packard Museum and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, my God, I haven't even posted, like, all the pictures. Like, I have so many pictures for Instagram. They let us – because you can't get into the um, the plant, the Packard plant. Right. You can't get in without knowing somebody there. And right. so Dan actually got us into the plant. And um, we were there for, like, four or five hours exploring the abandoned Packard plant. Yeah, I can and imagine. And we actually – we saw with our eyes about 30% of it. I think I mentioned this on Camden Talk. And we actually yep. touched maybe 5% of it. It's wild. It's it's impossible to understand the scope of something that big. That fifty thousand people a day went to work there, and now it's nothing. That's right. Crazy. It's a big empty building. Yeah, I, I'd even be happy just to pass by the outside of it. Is uh, it? I, I may have an opportunity actually in a couple of weeks. So, is but. it as bad an area as it seems, or is it on the rebound like some people say it is? Like, so I, you know, Cleveland and Akron are both similar post-industrial wastelands. Um, you know, the rubber industry kind of left Akron. Like, the, the rubber industry is still headquartered here, but there's no manufacturing here anymore. Cleveland, yeah. very similarly, no steel, no manufacturing, really, at least not to the degree they were. So um, Detroit's that, but on a much larger scale with much higher stakes. But So there's areas where I think a lot of people who wouldn't be familiar with it would be like, oh, this is a bad area. Whereas I'll be like, oh, I've lived places like that. I wonder what kind of parallel it would have, Andrew, to, like, the, the mill towns out here. Because we have a lot of places out here, like Lawrence and Lowell and Lynn, that were textile places. Yeah. You know, and they had huge, oh, yeah. huge, huge brick factories because they're all on canals and, and waterways. Um, <laughs> and they've all since closed down, and it became kind of, quote-unquote, you know, the slums of the area. Well, the city I live in was uh, a leather city. Leather, yeah. But PBD has less of a... They found other industries. Yeah, exactly. So, it was just abandoned. Yeah. Whereas you know Lawrence, lucky. Lawrence yeah. and Lynn and Lowell and all the other L towns around here, they were all you know just kind of abandoned, and they've become. I think that happens a lot more on the East Coast. Where I think the rebound and decline, if you look at like the 20th century especially, I think like the rebound and decline cycles are like measurable cycles. Whereas I think. In the, like in the upper Midwest, the Rust Belt areas, I think there's like a, most of those uh, towns are still waiting for their rebound. 
Well, I think a lot of it might and have to do. I think a lot of it might have to do with the whole. Um, you know, the, the coasts, both east and west coast, are both like looked upon by you know some people as you know uh, almost like a vacation land if they live in the Midwest, and you know it's not obviously, but. It just seems yeah, it, I mean, like, it, it's very, very romanticized, I guess I could say, the, the coast. It is very romanticized. People don't have, like, funny, cute, dismissive nicknames for the areas that you live in. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there's hope in that in, like, the whole country, whereas, like, Cleveland and Detroit are, like, a shithole. Or, like, you'll watch a movie. You might have seen it in, like, the 80s, the 70s and 80s or whatever. But, like, you'll watch a movie, like, from the 90s to now. And the movie never really takes place, with a few exceptions, in, like, the Midwest, in a city like Akron or Kent or wherever. And if it does, it's headed around. Um, but there'll be a character in the movie from there. Or they'll make a reference to someone being from there, but, like, the movie will never be set there. Yeah, and, and if there is a movie set there, it's, like, you know, set around a racist old man that used to work at the Ford factory. So, right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, if it was, like, an 80s, it was a John Hughes movie, it was, like, Chicago, so... Yeah, exactly. The it's like it's New York, yeah. Chicago, Los Angeles. Yeah. One of my favorite comedies is uh, Coming to America. Yes, that's one of everybody's favorite comedies. And I adore comedies, I the part about five minutes into the movie where he's like, Simi, we've got a whole country of beautiful women. Where should we go? New York or Los Angeles? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a valid and point, And I was though. so glad that that was acknowledged. <laughs> yes, the, the beautiful people live in the city, I guess. Yeah. As, so as not one of the beautiful people, that, I don't know that, so... Anywhere I visit, like any of the big cities that I visited, they're supposed to be like all the beautiful people are here. All I saw in those cities were other people from the Midwest that were looking for the beautiful people. <laughs> Just a bunch of average-looking Midwestern people, myself included, looking for the beautiful people that apparently don't exist there anymore. I don't think they ever really so. existed there. It's just, you know, people are people everywhere you go. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's mo- just... mo- and most of us are pretty ugly, so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um Going back to diecast, I picked something up at an antique store here in Cuyahoga Falls that is not something I would have normally bought, but I'm really glad I did, and it's become a new obsession of mine. Okay. Especially with my newfound Corvette obsession. Franklin Mint diecasts. Ooh. Those are really good value in the secondhand market. Yes. Yeah. They're, like, really nice. They're heavy. Yeah. Yeah. The 124th scale, and mostly, like, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's a, it's an unusual scale for something in, with that level of detail. My dad's like friend said, it's like, has hundreds of those. Jesus. Yeah, he that's all he did. He just he he never had children. He just collects diecasts. Yeah, he has hundreds wow. of Franklin mints and thousands of one eighteenths. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he's a bit you know, bit into it. Yep. But yeah, no Fra- yeah, yeah. Fra- Franklin mints on the second hand market, and you see a lot of mint antique stores because you know they were bought by an older crowd. Um, yeah. would have had one or, one or two of them in a, like a curio cabinet, and when they passed, the family was just like you know sell the whole collection to the antique store. I think you had to buy them like they'd be on like a home shopping network. Uh, they're in the back of like magazines and stuff. Yeah, you mailed yeah, them the thing, and like, you paid like, you paid thirty three dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you would pay like something like they would cost like a couple hundred bucks that you paid in installments. I remember the ad. Yep, yeah, very well actually. I remember there was even a Franklin Mint. Store at one of the local malls. Yes, at, there was a brief time oh, in the nineties. Wow. Yep, and uh, I think they had they had other collectibles. It was like a weird, like Faberge looking eggs and yeah, like yeah. They a... started out as a coin minting company. So yep. the idea with Franklin Mint was that um, when um, when coin collecting 
became like a big thing in kind of like the post-war, the decades after World War II. Um, a lot of America like re- kind of like rediscovered history, and it's like, oh, part of history that I can own is coins. Right, so let's make new ones. And so somebody got the bright idea. <laughs> there's a finite number of vintage coins that are collectible. What if I just made new collectible coins? Right. Uh, and much, and much like, like a totally like normal concept to us because we've been inundated with Franklin Mint shit and like it's built like our whole lives. Yeah. But at the time, really weird, but it worked out for the dude. And, you know, that became like a whole thing. And, uh, yeah, the die cast, like the screws on the chassis that hold the body and chassis together are positioned in such a way that the exhaust system covers it up. So even when you flip the car over, it's still pretty scale looking. Yeah, and no, they, they were really nice, especially given the era they came out. You know, they they have yeah, they have yeah. they have some things that date them into the nineties. Like when you open the doors, they're you know, the door is on a big, you know, big diecast hinge, and it's not really well hidden. Um, whereas yeah, the, a lot, and the door gaps are huge, and the doors are a little floppy. And yeah, the exactly. Proportions on some of them I've seen are a little bit off, but yeah, but the 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 good ones are good. So. If you know a good one, you got a good one. But and but they suffer from the same thing that the Franklin Mint coins did eventually. Is that anything that's made new and marketed as collectible will never really actually be collectible? Yeah, because absolutely. Yeah, you know, the, the, everybody that bought one saved it, so it's not like you know vintage stuff's collectible because there's not much left. I think they did make a limited number of them, though. Yeah, but they had no problem. You know, they always had extras lying around. It wasn't like there was. Yeah. You, know, you can make five thousand one twenty fourth scale sixty three Thunderbirds and. You might sell four thousand of them at first, and then he's got a thousand of them lying around. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like the example that I really like to use is a uh, two thousand four Mustang Cobras. Okay, because you had the Mystichrome SVT Cobra, which is what you I mean, you have the earlier Cobra you have ninety five, right? Yeah, so I have the Mystic. Yeah, Mystichrome is a different paint process. Oh, my favorite comment seeing online is people like, "Oh, my mom had a Windstar this color," or. Because yeah. <laughs> apparently if a color has pearl in it and it looks white or silver in another light, that's two colors to these fucking dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> I got to the point where it's like somebody posted a missed chrome picture. Like a, a, I was just an absolute fucking anorak nerdy dick to somebody completely unnecessarily. I must have been having a bad day or something. But somebody posted a missed chrome car, and it was somebody I like and respect but don't talk to very often, but we follow each other on Instagram. And I'm like, I think I pretty much used up that because one of their friends was like, my mom had a Windstar this color. And I just commented, no, she didn't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so like 04 Mystichrome Cobras, they made exactly 1,000 of them. They're super fucking cool. Or like 2003, they did in red the 10th anniversary SVT Cobras. They had really cool split 10-spoke charcoal wheels, whatever. Yep. Those were, quote, unquote, collectibles. Yep. The Terminator Cobra that everybody fucking wants is 04 Competition Orange. It was just a color, but... It wasn't marketed as a collectible. It wasn't marketed as a special color, and there's like a thing in that community that's like Competition Orange tax, or Zinc Yellow tax, or Sonic Blue tax. There's colors that people really want, but especially Competition Orange. It's like... I mean, makes your car like five, seven thousand five hundred, ten grand worth more. I mean, people are ridiculous how they price these things. Yeah, well, that's that's. But a, it wasn't any, marketed any, as a collectible. Any enthusiast car has that one, you know, thing that people just kind of latched onto and say, "This is the one yeah. you want. This is the one you have to get." You know, the rest of them are garbage. You need this one. So, 
It's the same with yeah, so it's like I get obsessive about other uh, rare SN95 colors now that I have the Mystic. It's like if I won the lottery, I'd just have a warehouse of dumb SN95 GTs. Well, I mean, we're all going to win the lottery tonight because Powerball night, so. Oh, yeah. So it's, I think it's 700 yeah, I didn't, million. I didn't buy a Powerball ticket. Oh. I hear that greatly influences your chances of winning, but I yeah. didn't buy a ticket. <laughs> I, Fingers crossed anyways. I, I think your chances are pretty similar to mine, even though I have a ticket, so. I wouldn't worry yeah, too much yeah. about it. I think uh, SN95s have gone way down, right? Like they pr- they really they, they really have. So I'm just now noticing, I've had my Mystic Cobra for like I bought it in twenty December twenty eleven. So I've had it like five five years, coming up on six years. And uh, I noticed that the the prices were really stagnant, and then in the last year they started to gain just a little bit. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where um, something's undesirable until, like me, I, I like the 95s because when I got into Mustangs, it was right around the time all of my sisters, I had four older sisters, and all the ones that were old enough to date, all their boyfriends had Fox Body Mustang GTs. And then I remember seeing, I still remember seeing the SN95 new for the first time on Wheel of Fortune. And I remember how it was like <laughs> unveiled as like a prize. And it was like an, a V6 automatic white over cam yeah. convertible with no fucking option. And it was, it was, and ugly it was that, ass the horrible, horrible four-liter Explorer motor probably. 3.8. Too. Oh, 3.8. Okay, even worse. So, yeah, 94, 95, 3.8s were 125 horsepower. Which is pretty bad. Pretty bad. That is a large car. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That is an enormous car for that little power. So... Anyways, yeah, like, I remember that. So, like, guys are getting to the age where they can buy whatever they wanted that they wanted when they were younger. And we're actually getting to a point where SN95s were aspirational cars for people. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. sad because, like, I, I'll never be able probably to afford, like, a 96 Grand Sport Corvette. Unless you buy it right now. Yeah. Now is the time to buy that. Yeah. Because any, any, anything I mean, like, once... I mean, once things get to be like twenty-ish years old, I think that's kind of you know a general. Now it might start appreciating cycle, you know, because yeah. e- even even the the early fourth gen Camaros, which were like a dollar ninety-five last year, um, have started to climb a little bit um, just because there aren't any left and they're twenty-five years old now. Uh, so four, yeah, so I used to yeah, like a like a ninety-three, a first year you know LT one car. Yeah. You know, before the LS car. So I, used to, I used to say that I would take 14 grand for my Mystic Cobra. Because there's a whole story about that car, and if you've listened to Camden Pub, you've heard it. But yep. I used to say 14 grand was my price where I wouldn't feel bad about getting rid of it. We're at a point now where, like, 14 grand's not that far off. Yeah, so, so like, it might actually be. It's longer yeah. the I don't regret it price. So, yeah, yeah. now it's going to be 20 grand. Yeah, exactly. Nail, hit the nail on the head. Because it yeah. used to be, like, an eight to $10,000 car for a really nice one. One that had been driven. You go on eBay Motors at any given point, and there's like three that have six miles on them, and they're all thirty thousand dollars, and nobody buys them. Yeah, that's every Mustang. What though. was that couple that had the Marauder with like six miles on it or something yeah. stupid? Like, what was the point? <laughs> like, so everyone I know that's into Fords, everyone I know that's potentially in the market for that car, like people that actually have money, not just people talking shit on the internet, but people that would buy something like that because they like Panthers a lot. <laughs> So Panther guys, like guys that are in the Panthers are getting to a point in their lives, a lot of them, but they have money now. 
Uh, it's we weird. we have a close friend of the podcast who will listen to this, who is a giant Panther nerd, um, and he just finished a full restoration on a car. Um, he actually so cool. he actually just painted it. Was it? It's an Audi gray. I forget what color he said it was. Oh, Nardo gray. It's not Nardo. No, it's what, not the, the flat gray. The blue car you painted gray. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. No. Oh yeah, yeah. It's beautiful actually. All right. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean like. It was a. I know a lot of guys that that would be in the market for that six mile Marauder, and all of them said some variation on the fact that I would do a burnout in the guy's driveway with him watching. <laughs> Which you might as well because you have to drive it at this point. I mean, yeah, what, I mean, what are you going to do with it? The Marauder is like a super cool car, but I don't see any value in a six mile one versus a really well preserved sixty thousand mile one. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that that's what I, I mean, especially I, something like the Panther chassis that's built to last, like it's still going to be nice or nice it's as nice as it's ever going to be at sixty K miles versus yeah. six. The one our buddy bought was it's it was a blue Grand Marquis. Um and he's a police officer who laments, you know, the loss of the Panther cars as a, you know, yeah. police car. Um, so his personal car, he found it was like a 30,000-mile little old lady Grand Marquis that had hit every parking pole at the mall. So Ooh. every panel was dented. So he used all, like, former police car parts that he scored for next to nothing from his job and from other places. And he turned it into a Crown Vic and painted it uh, Audi Dakota Gray, which is kind of a, a gray-brown well, yeah, flip-flop color. Because so many departments had gone away and they didn't have any more Yeah, they just had parts lying around. They just had parts lying around, yeah. so he... So he did it for pretty much nothing, but then he painted the whole car like professionally, and he put a you know P seventy one rear end in it, and made the thing into you know he basically a thirty thousand mile um, brand new mid nineties or, or early two thousands Grand Marquis that is now like a resto- fully restored car. <laughs> so yeah, it's like he'll be excited. Really we're talking about that right the now. fun of those cars to numbers guys because they're like, oh, I mean, like it's like a fifteen second. Yeah, it's rear wheel drive V eight. It's like a fifteen second car when you put a bunch of mods in it. I'm like, yeah, but it's like a really fun fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's really fun just to mob around on the highway at you know eighty five miles an hour and feel like you're doing. It's it's kind of the same story about my poop. If you're so hung up on numbers, like you're never gonna get it. It's like it's a, it's twenty miles an hour, but it's like a really fun twenty miles an hour. Yeah, well, as a guy who rides a two fifty motorcycle, I'm with you. I'm from, with you. From driving a body on frame truck daily now, I am fully behind the body on frame. Like I get it. I was like this. I was like I get why American cars are like this for so long. Yeah, because it's big, dumb, and comfortable, and they ride so well. You're like, oh, this is so much nicer having your suspension isolated from the body, and it just cruises down the road. So we're getting a little yeah, long. I, here. I mean, I miss yeah, my Cutlass like terribly. I don't have many regrets in life, but I miss my Cutlass like a lot. Okay, here's what's going to happen right now. Andrew's going to start laughing, which he is. Um, <laughs> Because I don't know if he knows that you had a Cutlass for a first car. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and I also had a Cutlass for a first car. And so... Triggered. We both... Yeah, Andrew never really liked my Cutlass. Even... That's all right. Yeah, it, got, it got him around before he had his license. But, uh, yeah, we both had that Cutlass as our first cars. And we both have a, a, a soft spot in our in our brains for a Cutlass. Like the, uh, like the G-Body Cutlass? Yeah. So what was your driveline in yours? Oh, are you ready for this? Yeah. There's like a well-optioned car, too. I don't know how the hell this happened. Okay. Triple green. Yep. So medium sage metallic. I used to know the code. I think it was 244. Okay. Used to remember the trunk tag code. 
It was a 307 Olds, uh, 200C transmission. So it's not the 204R like the Corvette used. Yep, I know the 200C. It was well. a three-speed, which meant I had a 214 rear axle ratio with an open disc. Okay, with a 307. Yeah, but it was a 307, but it was still really tremendously slow. I had, and I never took it to the strip, but I had an ex-girlfriend whose only driving experience had been her automatic 03 Civic, her mother's Chevy Venture van, and the tram at the zoo that carried people around, because that's that was her job for a period of time. <laughs> okay. I let her drive the Cutlass, and she said it was the slowest thing she'd ever driven. <laughs> and that, at the time, that was my muscle car. Okay, so. so I really wanted a 20-mile-per-gallon car that could run 14 flat and was comfortable and had a nice stereo. And then I bought the Mystic Cobra, and I'm like, this already does all of that. I don't, I don't need both, but I was wrong. I needed both. I need all of the cars. Well, I'm going to one-up you right now. Um, <laughs> my, I had an 85 Cutlass for a first car. Um, also a very well-optioned car. It was triple maroon. So it was the maroon mm. paint, maroon velour with the maroon, you know, Landau top. Um, also had a 200C transmission. Also had the open diff, and I don't know what the gear set was in it, um, but mine had the 3.8 Ooh. V6. But on top, of, on top of having the 3.8 V6... <laughs> It had round rally gauges with a tachometer and a center console console shift. Yeah, it had a floor shift or a console yeah. shift. Oh, man. Yeah. See, mine was column shift, and mine just had the rectangular speedo. I always wanted the rally gauges, but I wanted to keep the uh, column shift. Right. So you could just be driving around with your best girl on a Saturday night with your arm wrapped around her and her sitting in the middle seat. Listen, I had, no, I had, I had no interest in that because it wasn't happening at the time either. And, you know, the center console made mine a race car. I mean, I couldn't do a burnout in the rain on the beach, but it was a race car because, you know, I was 16. So I don't understand how the car came optioned with the rally gauges, center console, floor shift, 3.8 hubcap car. I don't know. I I don't know how that happened. I don't know. Somebody was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. V8's too much. Yeah, hundred and twenty horse. I want eighty six. All right. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was pretty freaking terrible. I'll, I'll give it that. But I loved it. Um, and Andrew probably has fond memories of you know scraping the door handles, going around rotaries because I had broken sway bars for the first year of driving it. But <laughs> oh man, I what, what the, the hell did I know? Sway bars for mine. I went to a junkyard and learned to read bins. Okay, I had them pull put a car up on a rack for me. It was a seventy eight Cutlass that had F forty one sway bars. That's cool. I'm sorry I keep coughing. I'm so allergic to my freaking cat. It's not even funny. Yeah, no worries. Um, had a uh, had the cool finned aluminum rear drum brakes, and I wanted those drums so bad That's that really they were cool. like frozen to the uh, they were like frozen to the uh, the axles. And they had this guy come, and he was like, oh, I'll get them off for you. And he beat them off, and he bent all the fins. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. Useless. <laughs> yeah. I was so upset. But I got the sway bars, and I still have them, and I'm actually selling them to a guy at work that just bought a Monte Carlo SS. That's cool. Mm. Yeah, that was my Which, that was my dream at the time was a Monte SS or a Cutlass 442. Um, but what I yeah, wound up so, doing was my 200C transmission let go. 
Um, so at the time, this was 1998 when I got my license. Um, right. So I went to the junkyard, and G-bodies were still pretty plentiful. Um, and I got a Turbo 350 out of a Monty SS to replace my 200C. Um, did that. And the diff let go. It was a, it was a column shifted car that it came out of, so I had to modify the shift linkage to work with the console shifted car. So if I put it from park into drive, it would turn on the reverse lights until I reached up to the column and turned the column by hand because <laughs> you couldn't do anything about that. The GM column that was in everything. everything. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no- the GM column that. That was super easy to snap into yep. and, and oh, yeah. the car. Yeah. Uh, not only did that happen, and then maybe a month later, and I don't know how any of this happened because the car literally made like 87 horsepower and maybe, you know, 92 pound feet. Um, the rear diff let go. So well, I went back to the junkyard. Probably and had no oil in it. Who knows? Uh, I went back to that same junkyard and the same Monty SS had a posse in the rear end of it. I don't remember now the gears because it was years ago. But I grabbed the posi out of the Monty SS. So I had the transmission, and I had the rear end. And in my head, I was like, man, I hope this motor goes soon, because I want to go back and get that motor out. And, and I, don't think that I, was, <laughs> I don't think that as a 16-year-old living in my parents' house, I was allowed to just change the motor at that point, if I remember correctly. Um, so I had to wait for it to, to grenade. And I probably should have helped it along, but I never did. <laughs> um, and at some point, I got rid of the car because I bought a Talon, and you know the rest is history. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there'll always be a soft spot in my heart for a G body Cutlass Supreme coupe. Um which so I really I really love the color green. And I had like the triple green car, which I've never seen another one in that color combo. Yeah. It's like I can't do I can't do anything but that unless it's unless it's a Hearstolds or a four four two. Okay. So, I uh, have the same problem. I would need another maroon one because actually I had painted my not to be a dick, but those are common. I see, like, triple yes. maroon ones all, all the time. time. Yes. Um, but I painted mine Ford Torador Red, um, hmm. which was a dark – it was it was a, a more – it was a brighter on the red side, but still a dark metallic red. I wanted something that was close enough to the factory that if I didn't paint the jams, it wouldn't be, like, totally obvious. Uh, right. It still had to match the vinyl roof. So mine was Ford Toreador Red, which is like a, a dark red that came on like Explorers and Windstars in the mid-90s. Um, and it looked really good. I'll have to send you some pictures sometime because, you know, it's Cutlass. And we have soft spots because we're dumb. But yeah. whatever. Andrew yeah. likes Volvos because he has a 740 for his uh, car. So. Yeah, I do. We're all... Uh, yeah, I like Volvos too. Yeah. It's really like, it's really hard. I've never met somebody that's like, man, fuck Volvos. I don't like Volvos. Uh, I have, but it's because their first experience was like a 2001 S40. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a terrible car. That's, that's a different story altogether. So I just, at, at this point in my life, and, you know, being a child of the 80s, I just, if it's an old car from the 80s, I'm going to find a way to like it. I, yeah. I almost don't care what it is. You know, your, your Stanza Wagon is a perfect example of that. Like, I would drive the wheels off that thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. You it's, know? um... It's laid up right now with like <laughs> the uh, the parking brake is stuck, so I have to go unstick the parking brake and then yeah. and then dive into that barrel or uh, you know can of worms. Yeah, whatever. You have other so, cars. 
So it's like it's a free. So here's the thing: is it's a free car, so I'm never going to complain about all the shit that's wrong with it. But there is a, it's a clean car, but there is a lot of shit wrong with it. Oh, like, there's like a most of it most of mine car. and Andrew's cars were fairly inexpensive when we bought them, so we just let it slide as things break. No, so, I don't. Yeah, you, you, if you fix it, but you just don't. You don't get angry about it breaking. You're like, oh, whatever. No, it's no what it is. I, but I just fix it. I don't just drive another car. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the big superiority the big complex priority now is. I think priority now is getting the E34 back together. I've been collecting parts to redo the uh, rear brakes while it's up in the air, and I'm just a few few parts away from being able to actually finally like take a weekend and thrash that thing back together. Because I actually do really enjoy driving that car. Yeah, and you're like us. You know, you live in the Rust Belt in the in the in the Snow Belt, and you have a limited time to actually work on cars as well. So, you know, you're probably you yeah. know jonesing to get that stuff done and. Um, yeah, basically get it done so I can get it out of the garage so that I can leave the Mustang in the garage and Beth can have the garage space during the winter. Wow, you're a very nice uh, very nice boyfriend along the garage space. Well, I mean, she's, you know, she pays for half of the mortgage, uh, to be fair. And she does have, like, a brand-new Mazda 3 now, so. Okay, I, I, I guess. I mean, maybe, it, maybe that's why you're, you know, in a successful relationship, but I would always be like... Uh, garage bot's mine. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I I think I like the car just as much or more than she does. It's okay. It's well, one of those things where that's I, okay. I was told the garage space was mine, so I was like, all right, cool. And yeah, I'm fine with well, that. See, well, the garage the garage space is mine. Like whenever it's not snowing, it's not so much anything else. It's yeah, just, it's a convenience I don't have to thing. Clean snow off my car. Yep. No, I totally get that. And I'm sitting here talking like, about yep. it, but I don't even have a garage at my house for some reason. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Stupid, stupid I Brad. Find, I need to find space for all my shit boxes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have I have a father who's an enabler, so his yard is full of my shit boxes, and his garage holds one of them. Yep. So I believe. My parents keep dropping the hint, especially like with the RX seven and stuff. They're like, you know, Cam, Dad's getting ready to retire next year. You know, gotta get the stuff out of here. I'm like, you guys are gonna be living in the house. So all you have to do it just means you have to look at it more often. <laughs> he's home more often. Like, what does that, does that? What bearing does that have on anything? Your dad is retiring next year. Okay, so he's going to stay at the same. You guys are staying at the same house and just going to be there more often. Yeah. Well, my father has like twelve cars himself, so he's definitely an enabler. Yeah. So it is my it is. Uh, my folks have my folks have a co- kind of cool collection because you know they've got the two Vespas and then they've got my mom's got her Volvo XC70 and my dad's got his Infiniti G37XS limited oh, cool. edition. So. Mm. Those are, those are cool. He's got, he's got the 55th anniversary skyline, but like the version of it we got in the U.S. Yeah, so the not so cool yeah. version. The anniversary yeah. skyline. Yeah. The not skyline skyline. Yeah. So um, you're also into a lot of other stuff that we're into. Uh, RC cars. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. yes. We went, anything, we, anything old. We went old We went this far cars. without bringing it up, so when Brad listens to the episode, if he does, he'll be he'll be surprised yeah, with this long. Yeah, he's already invested. He's got to listen to the rest of it. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I'm a I'm a big fan of old Tamiya stuff. I love anything from that era, but what's cool about Tamiya stuff is that it's you know there's support for it. Kyosho's supporting their older stuff now. I'm not as big into it as I used to be, but I sold like everything off, and I'm like I'm just gonna have one or two cars, and then I just ended up collecting a bunch of other shit again. What was that so, crazy rumor the hobby shop guy told us about Kyosho? Yeah, they were funding ISIS or Taliban something, or something. Yeah, like, yeah. we're like okay, we're dude. like all right, have a good one, sir. Wow. Yeah, he told. Well, he, guess I like ISIS now. Well, no, you know, it's he's a typical hobby shop guy who's he's a hundred years old. Uh, it's a hobby shop here in uh, 
in my hometown, actually, on my town I live in. Um, you don't have to say what it is. <laughs> yeah, and he decided, like, I was talking about something. I was trying to sell him something. And I was like, yeah, I have some old mini-Zs that I might, you know, be looking to, to get rid of. And he came up with this whole thing of why he wasn't selling mini-Zs anymore because the distributor wasn't selling them because they got in trouble for fun- <laughs> funding funding the Taliban. And I was like, uh, that doesn't sound right because they're a Japanese company. And I don't think that yeah. Japan funds the t- Okay. <laughs> Never mind. I guess I won't sell you my mini Z's. Yeah, weird. <laughs> I might. I might be interested in those mini Z's. Well, let's see if I decide to sell them or not. I uh, have. I have like. Yeah, yeah. I've I, got a bunch. Yeah, I'll I have. I have three cars, and I have like twenty auto scale bodies. Did you ever get into uh, HPI Micro RS4s, the one eighteen? Uh, I wanted to, never did. Andrew's got one. I have one. I never used it. I assembled it. Yeah. That's. Uh, We've talked about it before. Yeah. I think right. Yeah, I think I tried to buy it off you or something. Well, at some I, point. I'll yeah. sell it to you if you want it because I don't use it. It's sitting here in the basement. So yeah, no yeah, the pro- problem is there's no play. place around here to use mini Z's. Unfortunately, the, the box got wet when my water heater broke, but the contents are fine. So yeah, if the contents are fine, I don't really care about the box. I don't have as much space for boxes anymore, and really the only thing I save anymore are um, uh, Tamiya boxes because they have. Well, no, I've saved the boxes for everything I currently own, but Tamiya boxes are beautiful. Yes. Yes. I uh, every so time I kit that I've built, I usually fold the box lid down and like slide it off to the side. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why or what I'll ever do with it, but they are very pretty box art on them. Um, I still have so the the Tamiya lunchbox that I built in high school. I've been slowly working on resurrecting it. Um, I have three lunchboxes. I have two re-releases and an original. For those that don't know, the lunchbox is a monster truck van. It's a Chevy van. Uh, Dodge van, seventy-six Dodge, Dodge van. Van. It's okay. orange yep. on the box, right? Yellow, yeah, yellow on the box on um, the artwork. So it's yellow with an orange lightning bolt stripe, mm-hmm. and in the lightning bolt stripe is a cartoon of a blonde woman with a red, white, and blue top leaning out of it because it's a catering van. It's Vanessa's lunchbox, and Vanessa's leaning out of it, and the ah. the box art is orange with a yellow lightning bolt stripe. That's cool. Yeah, I'm and actually I know this so well because I own three of them and I'm also planning a tattoo on the back of my calf of the lightning bolt with Vanessa in it with a lunchbox cartoon. That is an awesome nerd tattoo. Yes. Like that's so obscure that it's it's that's pretty good actually. I like that. Yeah, I mean it's just cool looking. So Yeah. It's something that people in the know will get and anybody not in the know will be like, oh it's just pinup art. Whatever. I was considering so I've been considering that one for several years and haven't pulled the trigger. But, like, I know so many people that are tattoo artists that could do it justice where it's, like, it's getting hard to say no at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, Plus, yeah, Beth has cool. a ton of tattoos. Plus, um, I've been thinking, I'd always thought about doing a lum tattoo from Ursa Yatsura, which is, like, a super old anime series. But I don't want people to think I'm a fucking weeboo. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that. So I'm going to do Vanessa instead. So that's going to be my speaking, early tattoo. Speaking of which, I saw a Natasha card today. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, it was like a newer body style. Not a brand new, but the last body style Honda Civic SI with a half-naked samurai lady on the side of it. We were the size yeah. of the car. Yeah, it was definitely uh, shocking to see driving around Massachusetts. Hmm. Um, I had a Camden Cub fan point out to me that um, during the uh, Radwood episode, the live episode, well, it wasn't live, but Brad and I recorded it while we were walking around to Radwood. Yes, yep, the RX-7. And there was that Yatasha FC that had all the titty stickers on it. Yep. 
there's a bunch of pauses in my speech where you can totally tell I'm just ogling all the stickers. Off the <laughs> I, and didn't, I, can I didn't know it. Exhaustion as much as possible, but like, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, like red, totally red-blooded out. American male. You get yeah. st- stopped by boobs. It happens. I yeah, had cartoony one. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I I had a Tamaya. Those are TA two FFs. I yes, think. the Volvo BTCC car. Yes, God, I wish I could find that kid again because yeah. I did not do justice to that. No, well, the problem is at the time your mom I owned. Really want the Cobra R? Yeah, it's a cool one too. Yeah, but at the time your mom owned an 850 GLT wagon. Yes. So you painted it to look like your mom's car, not no, no. the BTCC I car. I found a aftermarket body. I don't think it was Proline. It was some other offshoot company. Oh, okay. That made an 850 wagon body. It wasn't Parma, was it? May have been Parma, May have yeah. been Parma, yeah. Yeah, because Parma is actually in Parma, Ohio. It's a Cleveland suburb. Oh, so, like, cool. Cleveland, oh. Ohio, for some fucking reason, was, like, a huge... I'm sorry I keep swearing on your podcast. Right. Any more liquor in me. I'm drinking with sailors. So, um, <laughs> also, I know, don't understand swear like a sailor because my dad actually was a sailor. It and doesn't swear at all. Swears. Yeah. Yeah. Must have gotten it all out of his system. Anyways... <clears throat> Yeah, like, for whatever reason, Cleveland, Ohio was like a mecca for RC aftermarket in the 80s when it was big. Hmm. I used to work with an old guy at the hobby shop that, like, had his own track and stuff and, like, knew all these big figures that I would read about in old RC magazines that I would find. It's probably and, like, part, it was all center. Probably part of your obsession, then, just being that close to it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's just, like, biosmosis or whatever. Like, I was never fully aware of it. But, yeah. Like, I didn't get my first, like, hobby class RC car until I was, like, in my teens. Like, well, in the late teens. Like, I wanted it, but, like, we never had money for it. Like, uh, our family didn't. So, like, my parents got me slot cars. It's like a um, concession prize. Mm-hmm. Slot cars but, are high on our list again lately as well. So, yeah. We keep so, chatting about setting up a track down here in Andrew's basement. Like, once a year, I'll set up my little HO scale track and, like, play with it for, like, a couple hours and, like, piss off the cats and stuff. Well, we, we talked well, about it how many, last week. How many of those hours are spent cleaning the tracks so that you can actually yeah. use it? <laughs> we, uh, I'm pretty careful about storing it and it's because it's AFX tracks, so it's kind of expensive. So I'm pretty careful about storing it. Yeah, yeah. we both, so it's we like, both you know, have AFX. Yeah, so like the first couple laps will be like a lot of stop and go, have to push the car along. But like after that, it's fine. We used to leave our setups out all the time. We didn't break Man, it down. That was so. so weird. The way when you just said that, I just got the like somehow I got the smell memory just yeah. came back <laughs> of the oh man yeah motors. yeah the way the motor smell and the controller smells yeah especially when you first start out it smells like you're burning your house down yeah and plus I used to which isn't good for the longevity of them but I used to WD forty them pretty good before I'd run them um, so they'd be bla- blazingly fast for like you know three or four laps and then they'd just start burning out so. Um, we actually talked about it last week, setting up the track down here again and doing like a, uh, top gear style. Um, every, every in-studio guest has to put a lap down and, uh, see what we can do for, for times and slot cars. So, oh man, <clears throat> I'll have to come out and visit so I can put a lap down. Yeah. We'll have to you build a track first. Out there? What's that? You guys got AFX Magna traction out there? We have everything that AFX ever did from the first Thunderjet oh, yeah. up through, um, well, G, G plus was I, G, G, I, yeah. I think I only have Tyco track, so oh, I have all Tyco, Tyco track's good. I have the Tyco track uh, train crossover piece. Yep, yep. And I'm trying to find the AFX to Tyco 
adapters. Adapters, yeah. I have some somewhere. If I can find them, I'll ship them out to you. I can't promise oh that, Oh, my though. God. It's been like a decade since I've been trying to find AFX to Tyco adapters just so that I could do use the stupid train crossing piece because, like, I remember I remember seeing this uh, old Richard Pryor movie called Brewster's Millions. Which is a great movie where the kid gets... Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, how, like, in the beginning, they're playing minor league baseball and they have to stop so the train can go through the outfield. Yes, exactly. You want to build that into your layout. Yeah. A, yeah, I had a permanent layout set up, and it's like a backwards, crappy racetrack. Like, kind of like what Nelson Ledges was until they just redid it, Nelson Ledges Road Course out yep, here. Yep. It's just like a crummy backwoods racetrack, and, like, you had to stop the race so, like, a freight train could come through. That's yeah. awesome. I had, so Wouldn't uh, that be, like, such a great layout and, like, setup? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. When they made the track, I'm sure somebody did it in the past. I just had an HO train set up through mine when it was in the basement. Yeah, oh, had overs and unders. Yeah. So you'd just mm-hmm. leave the train going, and then you'd run your... RC cars. Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, so I want to do that, but like in like a really heated race, and you have to stop so you don't hit the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have um, pretty much mostly AFX stuff, a little bit of Tyco stuff, um, but I also have some of the. I just actually my, my neighbor was just had a, had a is moving, and he had a free pile out in front of his house, and he had a complete in the box set of the uh, nineteen seventy nine release of the. Um, Tyco slotless slot cars. Oh man, the TCR stuff. They weren't called TCR then; they were called Command Control in '79. Oh when shit, they, you're right. When they re-released them in the '90s, they were called TCR, Total Control Racing. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I dri- I'm driving down the street. And I'm like, that looks like a slot car track box. And I stopped and picked it up and ran home with it. And <laughs> um, it's a slotless track, so it doesn't work with everything else I have. But it was cool just to pick it up. But I have one of those. And I have even back to the really old Aurora stuff from the 60s where the cars ran in like a – they weren't slot cars. The cars had batteries. Um, oh, yeah. What was it, the vibrators or whatever? Or was that pre-vibrator? It was pre-that. It was pre that. They were called uh, – it was a Detroit Torture Track was the name of the set. Um, oh, I remember those. They were from the 60s. Yeah, but I remember you showing it when we were a kid. You'd set them up every now and then. No, I didn't have that one when I was a kid. That was a more really? recent acquisition because I found it in my grandparents' attic. I never sworn. knew they had it. So. Oh no, you had like a, you had cobblestone sections of AFX track. I have a cobblestone AFX. That's track. what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen that stuff before. I've seen the cobblestone AFX track. It's like. Well, yeah. the thing is that most of my my father was into slot cars. Um, him and his buddies when I was a kid, like when I was a real little kid. You know, I was born in 81, so we're talking early 80s. Him and his buddies would go, they'd all come over. and had a huge layout in the basement, and they'd have, you know, as people do, just have like a, you know, beers and slot cars. And I remember my dad doing that as I was when I was a kid, and I couldn't play with them because <laughs> they weren't, you know, yeah. toys. They were, race, they were race cars for serious racers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. It's so he had tons and tons and tons of stuff, and I still have all that stuff, so we got to set it back up. I can build a fucking slot car track in the basement. I totally have a place to do it. Like, I'm looking at it right now. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like, I finished off a bottle of vodka. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We're uh, all talking I, about slot I, cars. I have a spot over here. I'm looking at my basement. So, and then, Would you guys actually come visit me if I built a 4 by 8 track down here? You don't have to do that. We'll come visit. Actually, I'm talking well, to a friend of mine. Tape measure. I'm talking to a friend of mine who has possibly just purchased a car in British Columbia, so I may be driving through pretty soon. So... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'll let you know if he does buy it for sure. But but this this goes with my theory that they haven't produced a new slot car since 1989, though. It's all, it's all the same. They bodies. do, dude. There's like really fast ones out there too. There's like some companies doing some really cool stuff. Man. Yeah, he's talking there's, about uh, the body shells. I haven't seen. Yeah, I was. Well, looking, no, like there's so um, Johnny Lightning, which is what I tried uh, to prove to Andrew is true that the Johnny Lightning ones and the Auto World ones are. But his point is yeah. that they're all still 60s cars. Nobody does like. No, they did, like, Fast and the Furious import ones. There's, like, a Supra, and it's either on a Magna Traction chassis, like oh, a really? issue Magna Traction oh. chassis, or it might be a little bit smaller, and it might be a Thunderjet. I'm on, like, a 440X2. That's, like, my level That's here. Tyco, yeah. See, no, I, I, I like 440X2 stuff's nice. So I got that Dodge They're just too fast. Yeah, I have that one, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I like the 440X2s because they still get sideways a little bit. Yep. That's why I like the Thunderjet cars, because they're, like, it's... I like scale car things because they're scale they look like real cars i had so many c4 yeah. corvette bodies like, yeah that was definitely the popular one <laughs> or a 280zx or 300zx yep the camel See, sponsored one and the, I, B, the bre style i one. have the bre one brand new mm-hmm. that i found at a hobby shop and i just put it on the oh, shelf man. and never used it because yeah. i don't want to damage the body <laughs> you'll have to use it now when it tracks mm-hmm. that up. how have any of us had sex with a woman do you ever think about that <laughs> Like how um, awesome it is that any of us have ever like. But well, usually you the 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 plan of attack is don't tell her about don't tell them until afterwards any of this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like I got, <clears throat> I like I didn't. It was like a year before I told Beth I had a collection of Pez dispensers. Like okay. I don't actively yeah. collect Pez anymore, but like I I can't bring myself to get rid of them. Okay. Um, my yeah, my I thing did, was. I did Pez. My, my thing was, was nobody ever knew when I lived in my parents' house. Um, when I lived in my apartment, it wasn't really relevant because I didn't have everything out and about in the apartment. I had maybe like one or two model cars on the shelves. And then once I bought a house, it was like, hey, I own a house. Obviously, I'm an adult. So you can get past these hundred Hot Wheels cars on my entertainment center. And, you know, it'll, yeah, you're already here. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for a way to display the Hot Wheels in the garage because uh, the previous owners had, like, uh, pegboards installed mm-hmm. along one side of the garage. And I'm thinking about just putting hooks on the, the one corner and just putting all the Hot Wheels up and just doing wall-to-wall Hot Wheels on the one side of the garage. See, that's why I take Hot Wheels out of packages because I don't like my house to look like a toy store. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I kind of like that setup. I used to have a really cool, like, spinning display that when I was renting a shop... So this is like early period Camden Tubbed when I had the shop I was renting. I actually had like a display set up there. All right. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never had a can... proper shop. I've always had dingy garages rented. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a um, couple of things we want to touch on real quick because we're probably about an hour and a half in, Andrew. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm just saying. I just don't want to keep it too long. Um, Andrew and I are talking about going to Car Week next year. Mm-hmm. Are you going to Car Week next year? Uh, if it doesn't fall the same weekend as the shootout and Woodward again. Like this year it was Woodward, the shootout, and Car Week, and I didn't get to do any of it. Mm -hmm. Because the lead singer of my band scheduled a show like a week and a half before. Right. That was like at 4 p.m. So, like, I couldn't do fucking anything all day. So we also missed the shootout this year. Well, we've never been. Yeah. Yeah. We keep saying we're going to go every year. But I think that if the shootout and car week are the same, I'm going to pick car week. Um, 
I'm taking this. I'm taking a shootout. I don't. It, it goes back to like a lot of stuff. Like I don't want to sound like. I'm not saying this to be edgy. But like, I was at Concord of the America last month. There was a display. This is all going back to slot cars. There was a display of a bunch of Can-Am cars, and mm-hmm. I think I took a picture of the display of the ring of them and put it on the Camden Tubs page on Facebook. And yes. wrote, These are the biggest yeah. goddamn slot cars I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, after like four hours of being around all this really cool stuff, I fell asleep underneath a tree, like four feet away from the Mark Donahue 917. That's like a car I've never seen in person before. And I was like done with it after four hours. But I think the like really high end car, the car week thing has, you know, all the different shows and the racing, I think is really what I'm more interested in the reunion at the last track. I'm not Lime Rock. Um, yeah, so it's basically it's basically going to Laguna Seca would run second to hanging out with my friends as the reasons why I would want to go to Car Week. Yeah. Right, and we were talking earlier. That, we, we, were, we were talking earlier about you know how Brad's close to California and that helps you know with the you know journalism aspect of his career and knowing everybody and we we're discussing how you know Car Week would be a good way for us to get to know everybody you know rather than just being yeah. on the outside oh, yeah, looking absolutely. in you know. It'd be a good networking thing for us. So, and we're also talking about building up my blue '78 Colt over the winter, and bringing it out Ooh. there, and leaving it out there, um, and using it for a few different events. You know, the Toge California, and maybe the DWA Rally, yeah. and Car Week, and all this kind of stuff. You know, fly out, have my car out there. I mean, you could also build a Colt, and you could also bring it to a uh, shootout. And I'm not building the drag racing guy though. Oh, I, I know, I, but like the shootout's just like that much. Well, they do autocrossing there. I, I could just drive my Gallant to the shootout. Yeah, we both have we both have Gallant yeah. VR4s to go to the shootout with. It's like I don't know. The, the shootout is just like it's more approachable to me. Well, it's definitely more approachable, and it was definitely in in possibility this past weekend. But I wound up going to uh, Mitsubishi Owners Day, which was scheduled the same day, stupidly, um, just because it was closer. Yeah, which is fine. I mean. Like, I wanted to build a DSM this year. We got the house instead, which is a lot better use of my money than a DSM. It's like, oh, I want to build a DSM next year. And it's like, I'm going to do the Corvette next year. So it's like, I have to make it out to the shootout one of these years with my own car. Yeah, you definitely have to because you live close enough, too. Like, you're only a couple yeah, hours exactly. away, right? Like, the only reason I'm interested in D- if I live an hour in, like, any, if I live, like, three hours in any direction away from where I live now, I probably wouldn't care about DSMs at all. Oh, really? But there's no excuse for somebody who lives within an hour of Shep Trans and Busher Racing and the shootout to not build at least one 4G63 powered drag car in their lifetime. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause for a second. A clean, I want a clean 1G that will run like, that I could drive to work one day a week, that I could click off like mid 12s or mid high 12 passes. Yeah at the strip a couple days a year and then just like keep it nice. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd be, I'd be more than content with that. And I feel like that's a, I feel like that's an achievable goal. I feel like that's still something you can do for under 10 grand and have a nice car. Yeah. I've, I've got mine. It's been sitting in the garage. Uh, I've done nothing with it in like five years. I just keep it registered and that's about it. It just sits there. I don't know. Yeah. Just haven't had the time or money to deal with it. So, I haven't gotten to it, and the the Galant runs so well. I just been driving that around in the summertime. So, 
But yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with that. And I think if, um, like, I don't know if the shootout hadn't been a month before my wedding, I probably would have gone to it this year. But it was just like there's just so much going on, and you need to save some money for there's some more wedding expenses that I don't want to spend money traveling all the way to Ohio. So, you know, there's that. Too. Yeah, it's it's so hard to like. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard to justify. But next year, you guys can come stay with me. And I might even have a slot car track built. And yeah. I might have a train running through it. Yeah. And go. then we can play for it with an hour. Or we can play with it for an hour and then get bored. Yeah. And then you can show me what the wiring is that you need in your Porsche. <laughs> Which is in Detroit right now. Fucking, oh, my God, that car. I just want to rip the heart. Like, I want to leave the Motronic box and the pigtail for it. And then just, like, let somebody redo everything else. Yeah. Because it's just like, I didn't, I bought, I wasn't the car, I wasn't the person that bought the car when it was at its cheapest. Yeah. I was like two or three short-term owners after that. Sorry. And now I'm getting to put up with all of that shit. What, uh, I I missed a little bit there because I had to step out for a second. What car are we talking about? The Porsche. The Porsche. Oh, yes. So there was a time, so I paid 17 for that car. Which at the time was. There was a time when that was a sub $10,000 car. Right. Yeah. Like. Somewhere between when it was like adjusted for inflation, sometime between when it was like a hundred hundred and some thousand dollar car and a ten thousand dollar car, some shit happened, and then I bought it when it was a seventeen thousand dollar car. Yeah, and it's worth a lot more than that now, but the wiring still seventeen that the wiring is still ten thousand dollar car wide. Yeah, I I I, I will so, say that I disagree with your plans with that car, and I'm sure you've heard that from everybody in the. Uh... I also call it the podcast universe, um, but I get why you're doing it because it's cool and different. Um, but I think you should get the wiring fixed and drive it as is. Oh yeah, I mean I'm going to drive it like every step of the way. Once the wiring's fixed, I really want to drive that car and put a ton of miles on it. Yeah, but like, I just want to cut the. I don't. When I say cut it up, I don't mean like physically do anything that's like completely irreversible. Right. But, like, I want to modify it to suit my taste because it's still a $17,000 car to me. Yeah, it's and not. And I don't the... want to let that affect, I don't want to let its current value affect my enjoyment of it. Because as soon as I start, as soon as I start making decisions like, well, the car will be worth more to the next guy if I leave this original seat in and this, that, the other thing, then then I've already, like, like, I, I have the, I have the Carrera Stripe tattoo. Like, I can never get rid of that car. That's, like, the one thing I have to keep. <laughs> well, I, so, uh, I, I I agree with your point because I don't see cars monetarily as a general rule. I mean, yeah. I do if it's a car that I'm buying and selling for profit, obviously. Um, but as far as cars that I own myself, I mean, I have an army of Dodge Colts. If I was looking to make a profit car, you know, I wouldn't put a dime into those. I wouldn't even wash that car. You know what I mean? But Yeah, like, if, if, it's if more, it's definitely the passion. based on... If somebody's going to judge me based on the value of the car I own, I would much rather they judge me on the Stanza than, than the 911. Than the 911. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I have no, like, I, I, you know, we talked earlier about not being supercar fans. Yeah, I'm not a supercar fan, but I'd love to have an NSX, not because it looks like, an, it looks like a sports car, just because that's the car that I've always wanted to own and experience. Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous car. Yeah, exactly. That would be my and, 
like if somebody like if I had if I had like sixty grand right now, like oh my god, like I don't even like if I if I were to buy like my current new car dream car and new car or new bike dream bike right now, I'd spend less than fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, because you're a practical car guy. Yeah, and it's not even that. It'd be in the Auto RF Club, mm-hmm. ceramic white, Rambo BBS, six speed. But like, I just like I don't. I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to get excited about really expensive things because it's like, well, I can afford to buy it when it's old and shitty. But I know what happens when you buy it when it's old and shitty and how expensive that is. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I don't know. That's why I just buy I just, things that started cheap when they're really cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like your Stanza was never an expensive vehicle, and now you have it now. Yeah, I, like I don't understand how the Stanza is as nice as it is. It was never a special car to anybody. Somebody bought that car because they had to, because yeah. it was the thing that did what they wanted it to do as cheaply as possible. Yeah, it's like my 1980 Colt, the brown one. It's a little brown 1980 hatchback. It's just a terrible, awful That's car. That's a handsome little car. But it's a terrible car, but I love well, yeah. it. Yeah, so why does it still exist? I don't know. I just appreciate that it, it was does. a good compact car at the time. It was, and it wasn't. I mean, uh, I guess it wasn't as good as a Honda. Of it that wasn't as generation. good as a Honda or a Volkswagen. It's true, you know, and so somebody bought it. But if you lived in the Midwest, it's easier to buy a Dodge than a Honda or a Volkswagen, or yeah, do- justify prob- it, right? Probably, probably. Yeah. But the car was bought in Cambridge, so moot point. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. So, so the year I bought my nine eleven. And when I had my 944 for a little while before that, I would meet all these old guys that had, like, 356 Speedsters and and just, like, all kinds of, of really cool older, much older Porsches that they bought when they were just used cars, when they were just used up sports cars. And, you know, they'd been moved on because they were not the hot thing anymore. And, you know, just guys talking about, like, leaving them parked overnight and, like, meeting their wives in it and, like, letting their frat buddies take it out for a spin and stuff. And I'm like, I want to be that, that old guy with stories about, like, not caring for this thing at all. Like, yeah. And, but I kept it all these. Like, I cared about it. Caring for it, but not caring for it. Caring for it, but using it. Yeah, but exactly. That's a much better way to put it. Caring, caring for it, taking care of it, but using it. And just, like, using it for mundane, everyday shit. And as a result, having some really cool, unexpected adventures in it and having those stories to tell. Because those people are far more interesting to talk to. Like, this, the saddest thing about the Six Mile Marauder guy is as much care as he has put into preserving that car, he has absolutely no stories to tell about it. No, not nope. at all. Yeah, I don't understand that Brad, at all. Like, Brad's 912E and my stands have become vessels to hold stories. Mm-hmm. To the point where Brad, I think, is considering getting rid of the 912E at some point because he's like, what else can I do with it? Right. Well, you so, can just enjoy it around town and not worry about stories yeah, anymore. Yeah, but, precisely. Well, that's like you no, know, the Sapporo with me. It has a great story that it came out of the junkyard. It has a great yep. story that it was shipped across country. Um, and then I've used it to go to Pennsylvania and to New Jersey and to all kinds of other you know, car events and you know, the car even caught on fire once while I was driving it with the whole family in it, you know? And it's like, a, there's all these stories I have about the car because I use it. And I had this yeah. discussion last night with my mother, actually, because we were talking about my, my father, who will listen to this, I'm sure, and give me crap for even talking about this. But he'll go to a car show, and then my mom will be like, hey, let's go out to dinner somewhere. And he'll be like, all right, let me go home and change cars. Because he doesn't want to park the car at the parking lot of the restaurant. And, you know, I get 
I get what he's doing. I, you know, he really likes his cars clean. He really likes them, you know, dent free and everything. But it's to the point where I can't, I, I can't get behind that lifestyle of having to worry about it so much that I need to go home and change cars before I go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah, know, the restaurant is, you know, halfway in between. <laughs> like, just stop. <laughs> you know, it's not. Yeah. I mean, like, just park farther. Yeah. It's and, and I, park I, in a corner I, spot. You know, I, I, there's I mean, a trick to it. If there's a trick, you know, you back into a corner spot. So somebody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can always find a good spot. And, or, or if you're going with you somebody, yeah, somebody park next to you. Door will open to you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've just always had the, had the thought where, you know, I'm going to use it. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to worry about it as much as, as my father always did. Because I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll stop on the way home and I'll pick up something for you at, you know, say the mall. I'll be like, well, how are you going to do that? Like I'm gonna drive in the parking lot. I'm gonna park the car. I'm gonna walk into the mall. <laughs> well, you can't leave the car in the parking lot at the mall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. That's exactly what a car was designed to do. There's this huge area in front of a mall. Yeah. And there's these little spots that are marked off. Yeah. They, they're they, like they're open. They're open to old cars. Not only on Wednesday nights to cruise in. You can go there any night of the week. Yeah. Precisely. So that's a discussion that I have with my father from time there, to time. There was a time when I first got my Galant. I was like. The paint's pretty nice on it. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. And very I was like, nice. Man, it'd be nice to like have it repainted, get rid of some of the rock chips, some of the scratches. Uh, I did have like paintless dent repair done to get some little door dings that were annoying. But then I was like looking at it this year, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna leave it the way it is and just keep waxing it, polishing it, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's wearing thin in some places, but I was like, that's all right. It's all but pa- that's I, all naturally earned patina. Cars are only original once. And, the way uh, to do it, I think, is that is if is if you go through the effort of having cars that like don't have rock chips and stuff, you always have something that's like my stanza. You've always got like the go- see, and that's like the goal I have. The goal I have is to have all of the cars I really love and want to keep really nice and in really really good shape, but I can still drive them and use them and enjoy them like one or two days out of the week each, mm-hmm. or like a couple weeks at a time, and then switch to the next car. And, like, keep them fresh, but also keep them nice that way. But if, like, it's a situation where, like, I'm worried something might happen, then I have another fun car that's a little rattier that I can use. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not encouraging somebody to take their, you know, pristine, restored car and go park it in downtown Manhattan. You know what I mean? There's a there's, yeah. a, there's a level of, of, you know, care that should be exercised. But, I mean, if you have a nice old car and you happen to be driving through to New York and you want to stop, I bet you can find a spot in Manhattan, too. But, I mean, just... Just be careful. I mean, it's just cars meant to be used. And you yeah. talk about you. You bring up your point. Car week, fall sleeping at the car show. Um, you know, I've been to some concourse, and you know, it's not it's not my scene. Uh, my father actually runs the concourse here in New England called the uh, Misslewood Concord Elegance, um, yeah, which I'm a judge at, and I go every year and help him out, and you know, because it's my father's show. But if it wasn't his show, I wouldn't be there because it's not my scene. <laughs> You know, those, those cars yeah, don't get like used it, at all. Yeah, some of them do. The GT40 does. Yeah, well, some of them do, of course, but the majority of them don't. And the crowd is not a um, super friendly car enthusiast crowd. It's a lot more of a blue chip investment piece kind of crowd. Yeah. So that's not me. Yeah, so I mean, like, I always see stuff at Concourse and I'm, like, really, really excited about. But, like, uh, Myron Burness. Um, Who's, like, my, he's, like, my hero. He's and like it, ten minutes from me. Right, and if I ever get out there, fighting. you need to introduce me yeah. to him because, and just be like, "Hey, this guy drives an NSU," and he'll be like, "All right, you're in." <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, Myron's the kind of guy 
that the Sapporo would get you like way farther with him. Oh, you think so? Like, I, he's never been like more excited about any of my cars than he has been about my Sansa, which makes me really happy. Which is like, oh, this is why we're friends. Yeah, no, he's 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 like very like everybody I know is incredibly protective of that car. Like I've made reference of like putting a set of Anki ninety twos on. Hey, Ollie, stop it! I stopped petting my dog there. Sorry. Sorry. Like putting Anki ninety twos on it, and I ended up just putting web hubcaps on it because I heard so much backlash on that, and I'm like, man. What was there so much I'd backlash? Really like oh, it was just Brian Thompson. Well, it was Brian Thompson and Myron were like fucking don't. Okay. And then I talk about putting an SR20 in it, and it was the same thing. But I'm like, it's a CA20DE, which means an SR20DE would fit in and bolt from it. another front drive application, and yeah. everything should theoretically bolt up and be like a factory-style install. I could just merge with traffic at, like, a safe speed. Right. I, I, I get their point, and that's my point with, like, the Sapporo, where I would love to put a faster motor in it, and I know I could do it without cutting the car up. But then I get to mm-hmm. the point where I'm like, you know, the, part of this car is just the experience of having the car the way it was intended to be. Yeah. So it's like, not getting a five-speed okay. swap. It's not getting a 4G63. It's just going to be a slow cruiser. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that the reason I want to do, the reason I want to put an SR20 in the stands is not to go fast, but to use it more. Right. Because my band loves this car, and they're like, we should, we could drive to Buffalo. We could go to a gig in Buffalo in this car. We could go to a gig in Dayton in this car. We could do. I'm like, it's fine with me in the car driving three hours. Yeah, with four dudes and a five hundred pounds of people, a couple of amplifiers. Yeah, yeah. five hundred pounds of equipment. I'm like, man, like an extra sixty horsepower would be like really nice. Yeah, I get, I get that, and I'm sure support would be the same way with a lot of people. Well, in it, that's why I put my poop. my Glant. I, that's why I put it together the way it is put together. So it's like kind of stock plus. So it's got enough power. Yeah. It's a four-door sedan. Uh, I made sure the AC works. It's like a very comfortable long-distance highway car. Yeah, and you drove it to Texas and back yep. without any fatigue. Yep. Yeah. Drove it all the way to Texas and back. And over the you tail of the dragon. Like OEM... Sorry. I drove it over the tail of the dragon too. So it does handle pretty well for what it is. Man. So I'm a big fan of OEM Plus. Yep. The stands I've actually gone OEM minus. Yeah, the black bumpers. It's like a lower yeah. trim level. Yeah, with the black bumpers. I made yeah. it look like a, a lower trim level stanza. But it was cheaper than painting them factory color again, I'm sure. Well, I did it so I actually didn't paint them black. I found a really nice satin finish, a very natural looking satin finish. Uh, plastic it, but it's actually Duplicolor makes it. Mm-hmm. They call it carbon black. But it's like the just right satin finish. And so I just very carefully masked and plastied it the bumpers and the trim so that when and I put enough layers on so it actually does peel. And then I yeah. figured the next, if, if somebody like Brian Thompson ends up with the car and they like desperately want to paint the bumpers back factory colors, it's a could. lot less work for yeah. them yeah. to get it to that point. So Yeah, his his, that, like, his, his the, car collection is, is, is pretty amazing for a like bottom feeder cars. Like, yeah. It's... It, like I, I, I love his passion for, for really utilitarian stuff. Yeah. It's really, really wonderful. I feel like if he collected motorcycles, he would collect the same motorcycles that I want to own. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know him, I don't want to blow up a spot too much, but I mean, he has like Nissan stands, Nissan Sentras and, you know, dots and 200 SXs. And he doesn't have like the 240 Z. He has 200 SX and he doesn't have the, 
you know, Honda Civic, he has the Honda City, and he just has very utilitarian cars, and he's he's very passionate about them, and he's very passionate about restoring them back to stock. Like his his yeah, and, ter- and his Tercel SR5 is like awe inspiring restoration. I was talking to him before he did the upholstery on the Tercel. He's he's going to be a guest on Camden Pump one of these weeks. We're just figuring out logistics on it, but yeah, because um, he's got a scholarship that I want to you know that I want to plug before it's you know before it's kind of late now, yeah. but yeah, but um, that's always next year. Anyway, yeah, exactly. That's my whole life has lived on that fucking principle. Yeah, I, I think know. it's a Cleveland sports thing. No, well, um, well, hey, listen, Red Sox. You know, up until fairly recently, it was always our thing too. Oh God! Here we go with the Red Sox Nation. <laughs> I thought we were over this. We're never going to be won, We get it. Yeah. We heard you. Hey, listen, um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being a braggart. I'm just saying we suffered for a long time, so I get it. Uh, but listen, Boston, yeah. Boston suffered for a long time with a, really, a lot of really bad sports teams, and they've had this like 10 to 15 year run of like amazingness. There's going to be a dry spell someday. Yeah, like, it, the dry spells right it's now. It's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. here's the thing: is like the the Cavs championship, which is a very sore spot over here in Boston. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, yeah. But everybody gets one. We got our we like. It's not even a ten to fifteen year run. It was like a ten to fifteen minute run for us. Yeah. And I think like you know for a fact, especially <laughs> because LeBron is from Akron. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's only been a year, but like you still see people wearing the 2016 sh- uh, championship gear. Like proudly, like well, we're I gonna mean, we're gonna hold on to that oh one God. ring for like a really like we're not gonna be douchey about it. It's just always gonna be our one special mm, thing that we you, have. You, you, you can say you're not gonna be Boston about it because they're pretty douchey oh, here about all so of it. <clears throat> yeah. oh, well, thankfully, fans. thankfully the Cubs won the World Series last year, so they've taken the crown from Boston for world's douchiest baseball fan base because they can't hide behind lovable loser anymore. They did it a year late though, unfortunately. That's true. It did. That's, We're all counting on yeah, to do it to make the, make the Back to the Future prophecy come true. But unfortunately, it didn't. I feel really bad for uh, you. guys know Eric Rude. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I know who I know he is. Him, yeah. yeah. But um, he's a White Sox fan. Oh, I'm sorry. But, like he's really clued me into like the whole scene of like Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot more similarities between like. Like the worst of White so- or the worst of Red Sox fans and the worst of Cubs fans that are like kind of interesting to me. So yeah, so I think the Cubs have like taken that. I think like you can actually like hold your head high as a Red Sox fan again and not worry that people are going to think you're a bandwagon douche canoe. Well, we here at the Auto Off Topic podcast are casual sports observers, yeah. So we're not um, we're not bandwagon douche canoes at all. I'll watch a championship game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a little more yeah. into it than Andrew is, but we're not really. Uh, we're not, you know, uh, what's the, what's what's the bad joke? Sports ball people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, those people are almost worse than the people that are obsessed. The anti. No, the the sports ball guys. Oh, okay. They're like, oh, 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 sports ball, better score a point. Like, we get it. You don't watch. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like, I, like I, I, again, I watch more like basketball than atheist people on Facebook. It's like I've never seen somebody so like. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I, I've never seen somebody so excited about something they don't believe in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I really don't like automatic transmissions, and you don't see me posting about it. I'm just like, oh, I don't like automatics. Let yeah. people enjoy things. Yeah. Well, I, I don't like them, so I don't buy them. That's how it works. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's one. 
There's I, one that I would buy, and I you don't. know what it is. Sapporo. Yes, I yeah. don't, but there's some cars that only come with them, and I like the whole rest of the car, so I just ignore the automatic transmission. Well, that's the thing with old cars is you, get a, you buy the car, you buy the best example you can find, and the best, and sometimes mm-hmm. the only one you can find. And in the case of the Sapporo, you know, it was an automatic, so it is what it is. It's a terrible automatic like too. The, like it's a really bad automatic transmission. It really sucks that's, all that's the fun out of the where, car. That's where I am with the uh, the BMW the 530i. Is like you couldn't get a 530i touring. If you wanted a V8 in a wagon, you had to get the smaller V8, and you couldn't get it with a manual transmission in the U.S. Typical. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just the way it is. So typical. Well, I don't mean to cut everybody short here, but I think we've probably stopped this episode before we run out of space in the card. No, be right. <laughs> we're but we're closing on two hours in here, I think. Oh yeah, shoot. Okay. Yeah, so we should probably stop this. Nobody's gonna oh, listen yeah. nobody's gonna listen to our drivel for three hours. But uh Cam, we definitely a couple things. Want to have you back on again. Yep. Um All right. if you're ever in the East Coast area, which to those that podcast on the West Coast, Cam is not on the East Coast. He's def- definitely in the middle of the country. Yep. Um, I'm east of you, but still like a long ass ways away. Right. Like I was super oh. irritated when they were talking about doing an East Coast version of Redwood. And they're like, we're going to do it in Detroit. And I'm like, you mother, that's not East Coast. That is a solid yeah, no. 20 hour drive for me. <laughs> so, it, yeah. So, so basically, Detroit is like, that's the difference between, oh, I'm never going out there and, oh, that's just out of reach. Yeah. yeah. Either way, you're not going. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'd probably go because I've driven. Right. I, I, I drove six and a half hours to New Jersey this weekend to go to Mitsubishi Owners Day, which is a bunch of brand new Lancers and terrible yeah. jobs. So, I mean, if, if there were to be some sort of Radwood esque event in Detroit that may or may not happen at some point in the future, and that may or may not be part of the reason I want to get all of my cars together and running and safe and driving. Um, I extend the offer to everyone that I can't drive like six or seven cars myself. Right. So there are more than enough cars for people to drive if they want to come and stay with me and help me bring cars to wherever Radwood ends up being. Wherever the quote-unquote East Coast Radwood ends it up is, being. It is a drivable yeah. distance for us, though. It is drivable, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, hey, it's easier. It's Detroit, eight hours? Like, more than that. Yeah, Pittsburgh's like eight hours. Yeah, it's more like 20. All right. It's a good it's a, it's a good distance, but it's it's, it's doable because I think where where Cam is is like a sixteen hour drive for us. Yeah. yeah, or it's like, well, do you guys live close enough to an airport that's a hub? Yes. Yeah, we live we live twenty minutes from Logan, which is Boston. Yeah. Because, oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Logan, I can I, I bet there's flights from Logan to Akron Canton Regional. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, instead of bringing a car, just buy like a hundred and some dollar plane ticket. Yeah, they probably are. to Akron Canton. We're also like What's 35 that? minutes from Manchester Airport in New Hampshire, which has got a lot of weird flights to places like that. Yeah, so, so yeah, so that would make that would almost make more sense. It's just fly. It would make more sense, Cam, but I'm you stupid. Want to bring your own car. I, well, not only that, not, not just that, but I just I enjoy driving long distances for no apparent reasons. That's so, not stupid. I mean, that's perfectly I, understandable. I want to drive in every state in the United States. So I'm about halfway there. There's a I, lot of really good roads around me too. So yeah, same thing out here. If you ever out here, we have uh, we can take you all. Oh the, yeah, the, the, East, mountain roads. the East Coast, like <laughs> like Connecticut, um, Massachusetts, more further north. Of Vermont that I've been. Now Vermont, Vermont, there's some amazing roads. roads. Vermont has some amazing roads. 
Vermont has had some amazing roads, and I feel like they will fry you in the electric chair if you do 26 and 25. No, no, it's no. not that way at all. No, because some of the northern towns, there's no police. It's yeah. too desolate, so they'll have like constables. So you can oh. you can do whatever you want. Yeah, oh. essentially. I've yeah. I've hustled between towns up there pretty fast at night to try to get to where I need to be. Quote unquote. Yeah. Hustled at night. Yeah. Didn't really happen. Really happened. See that's see Ohio works on the opposite principle, so I expect everywhere to work like this where like, oh, um, we have a we have cops for the sole purpose of writing frivolous speeding tickets. No, Vermont's, so Vermont's, pretty, Vermont's pretty chill. Anywhere in northern New yeah. England where the towns are spread out and there's very few people, it's... Yeah, they're pretty chill. And if they do catch you speeding, a lot of times they're just like, hey, unless you're in the downtown area, because the, da- the, the, the way it's set up up there is there'll be like 30 miles in between two towns, and it'll be a mm-hmm. 55, 60-mile-an-hour road. But when you get to the town, it's a 25-mile-an-hour road, because it's all condensed in that one little area for a minute and a half right as you travel through this town in those towns you'll get a ticket but you're an asshole if you're driving 60 miles an hour through that town because it's you know it's very densely packed Uh, but the second you get out of it the speed limit goes back up to 55 and you're doing 75 and you're having a blast so it's it's definitely some of the best driving around so we're actually yeah i'd love to actually move to vermont if it didn't snow so much but whatever Anyway, so uh, Cam, it was wonderful to have you on. Um, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely do this again. Maybe we can even give Brad to come on sometime. And uh, oh yeah, Brad is a uh... yeah. He's already volunteered to come on. We just gotta schedule it right. Yes, I I have considered taking him up on his offer to fix the truck and then drive it away. Yeah, <laughs> you should. It's actually like it's a it's it's nice. I mean, for like by our standards, it's a super nice truck. Yeah, it's super solid. Yeah, I mean, I considered a mic. Man, if I plan that right, I could roll up with all the right parts. I could make some really cool story out of it. And, you know, I don't know. And then, like, if I planned it in just the right way and hopefully, uh, like, Bonneville still exists, like, I could drive it to Bonneville because I've never been there. Like, that would be kind of a cool thing to drive it. We went to Bonneville once. (laughs) Where? We went to the Salt Flats. No, we didn't drive to Bonneville Salt Flats. We drove to the Great Salt Lake. Yes. Yeah. The salt, I believe they're out in the middle of nowhere in yeah. Utah. But you get what I'm saying. I could go from Nevada, drive there. That would be really cool. And then, yeah. like, drive to California or something. You know, just there's some options there for doing something cool with that. Something cool and stupid. Yeah. I like it. Something adventurous. It's not stupid. It's adventurous. Yeah. No, adventure is the way to go. Yeah. That's why we have 4x4 trucks now. That's true. Which is what Cam needs to get next so we can go 4x4 and... Cam, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, yeah. excellent. Anyway, well, thanks for coming on. We'll have definitely do it again. And uh, like I said, I'll let you know if I wind up out in Ohio the next week or so because it may happen. I might be passing. Awesome. Might yeah, be, please. Might be passing through to pick up a car. Not sure yet. Um, Stop in for a beer or ten. Yes, <laughs> I mean I have. I have currently. I have somewhere between forty and fifty rolling rocks. Uh, I will bring my own beer then. Um, no offense. Wow. <laughs> hey, listen. Well, fucking crowd. Listen, man. we can be complete, total. You know, other people around here can be complete and total Red Sox dicks, but I'm a total beer snob. Bring them some Narragansetts. It's the so, same thing. Yeah, it's like an East Coast Rolling Rock. Yeah. You guys get Genesee out there? We don't. No, that doesn't. Okay. That, that, that's a good thing. 
that you're gets, not missing anything. Yeah, that gets to like New Jersey. It doesn't come any further north from there. We just got like Yinling like three years ago, and people went nuts for that. Right, and they realized it was yeah, terrible. Totally. I, I just I don't I don't love Yinling. So I love good beers, but for like cheap piss beers, I'm just like I like Rolling Rocks not as good as it used to be. But it's just like it's like the least offensive cheap piss beer. Yeah, well, I'll bring some Narragansett out so you can have some. You can, that's our uh, non-offensive cheap piss beer. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. I'll try it. I mean, it's just like I, it's like one of those things like Applebee's. Like I got in this whole thing on Applebee's on Facebook. Like I don't understand how any. Like I can understand why you wouldn't like it, but I don't understand why people have such an attitude about hating it so much. Like how do you hate? fucking microwave dinners yeah exactly yeah it's like it, it tastes it's like, fine but it doesn't taste good i don't hate it i just choose not to go there yeah it, it's like hating the color white that's a very top like, oh, that's I a hate very, white cars it's like a very top discussion right now <laughs> uh but yeah also also narragansett has the um the throwback cans all the time to the can from jaws oh cool yeah, yeah. so in the movie jaws when the captain quint Drink like he chugs the beer and then crushes it. That is a Narragansett yeah. beer, and that is the yeah. the can livery that they brought back. Yeah, they bring it back once a year. All right, the if anniversary you bring of the me movie. Narragansett, if you can bring me like retro bottles or cans, oh yeah, the cans. Please do that. Yeah, that would and, make me really happy. Yeah, it's a re- it's a retro can, and in the, in the case it comes in says "Crush it like Quint" on it. Yes, nice. And actually, we have All right. yeah, man. we have a local theater here that does on the anniversary every year. They have a party. Um, and it's sponsored by Narragansett, and it's one of those theaters that does like it's like a dinner theater, um, mm-hmm. and they have the movie playing. And when that scene comes up, everybody stands up and chugs the beer and crushes the can. <laughs> so, oh, that's cool. We're we're pretty into it out here in the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love like I love little regional stuff that happens like that, and then like moving to a new place and discovering the cool regional thing your 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 place has. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That goes right with being, you know, a, a Dick Red Sox fan. It's just a regional thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, ever go to Red you, um, so- you ever go to a Red Sox game and everybody sings Sweet Caroline in the seventh yeah. inning? It's super annoying, but it's endearing because it's our thing. Jaws is yeah, like, like I don't really, I don't think the Dick Red Sox fan thing, um, like, really applies to people that actually live in, like, the East, like, the, the New England area. Oh, no, it does. Yeah, it, I think it's it a lot worse when it's somebody who like lives like if you live in Milwaukee and you're wearing and you've lived in Milwaukee your entire life and you started wearing a Red Sox hat because they were winning instead of a Brewers hat. Okay, I like, get that. Just, 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 just die. Just uh, as a, a shit as, person. As a child, I wore a Brewers hat because I liked their colors. Okay, the blue and gold. I gotta classy. ask how you how do you feel about how do you feel about Roger Clemens? I'm, I'm I'm indifferent. I don't I don't hold okay. any hatred towards uh, towards things that were done. Yeah, he, I mean, back fine. In the, back in the day, he was a pretty good guy. I mean, he never brought us any championships, so he no. can do whatever he wants. But he never got a championship in Boston. Had to go somewhere and do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Had to you know, chase I, keep chasing I, that I, dragon. Come on, touch me. Yeah, I don't I don't have any hate on that. You know, saying that Paul Pierce and the Celtics. You know, he decided to. Not finish his career here for some reason. And he left. It is what it is. That's how sports works. They I gotta did. ask about. I gotta ask about Celtics basketball. We're not still recording, are yeah. we? We are still recording. Yeah, yeah actually. Oh, okay. This, this oh going. man, everybody's tuned out because the sports talk. That's okay. The whole situation with uh, Len Thomas? Bias. There's the oh, okay. Len Bias thing that brought up every fucking draft season, like Christmas decorations. Um, no. 
Okay. No, especially not especially not place. lately because uh, this year, like they had like the first and second round draft picks this year. The Celtics did. Um, no, I've tuned out. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It, it's 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 not really at all. The only thing they got okay, older on like here is anything bad that happens in Cleveland sports that's like almost a good thing. Shitty Cleveland sports talk radio will like drag it out. Oh, we we have like, everything is related to Bill Buckner out here. Oh, Every, really? Everything bad is Bill Funny Buckner. Story. Again, back when they were like worthless cars, back when it was like a thirty thousand dollar car, like a thirty five thousand dollar car. Bill Buckner's nine thirty was for sale. Oh, really? Yeah. And I looked at it, and I seriously considered trying to figure out how to get the money to buy that car, and I really wish I would have. Yeah, because that car would probably worth something even more than a regular 930 now, just because of the stupid story I behind mean, it. That was a big deal. I mean, the, the whole, the ball through the legs, like that. And Bill Buckner's like one of the best first basemen the Red Sox have like ever had you know, in history. And one bad hell, play. Hell, like, hell of a career sunk by one bad play. Hey, it's, it, it all yeah. happens. I mean, One I'm, bad play that, if you look at how the series actually went down, had no fucking impact on how that series went down. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, maybe, maybe. I mean, my, it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was a momentum shift. My mom tells me <laughs> stories of just her just crying afterwards, just like, I mean, they were they were so close. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's let's end this podcast so we can carry on. If we, if we carry on with our I lives cried. here. The last time I cried was after Game Seven last year. Oh after yes, any after fucking batters like baptizing himself in home player soil. <laughs> Fucking every other grunge guy dies in Eddie Turner. Better is still walking the earth. Yes, he is. No justice in this world. I don't wish death upon the Fuck man. Eddie better. I, I don't wish death upon the man, but I do wish that Chris Cornell could come back. <laughs> so put it like that if way. I could trade, if I could, like if I knew Chris Cornell was also going to take away Chester Bennington, yeah, like I I don't get I would the Chester both of them in a fucking heartbeat for Eddie. For, I mean, um, I would trade like a guy that killed himself from Millie Vanilli for Eddie Better. I didn't even know one of those guys killed himself. I mean, I don't blame him, but I didn't yeah. know he did it. <laughs> anyway, where can we find you on social media, Cam? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm on Instagram at Cam Vanderhorst. I write for RideApart.com. Uh, I write for any number of internet brands' websites, Mustang Forums, uh, the Mustang Sorts, Ford Truck Enthusiasts, HD Forums. I do a lot on HD Forums. Uh, that's for Harley-Davidson. Yeah, that's for uh, What's that? I said for Blub Blub Bikes. Yeah, Blub 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 um, Man, I just, they have a lot of websites, and I write for a lot of them. Excellent. Um, but they're, they're, where, most importantly, can we find you? Uh, the Camden Tub Podcast. Excellent. Yes. Uh, I don't say Fridays and Tuesdays currently, but we're typically Fridays and Tuesdays. Yeah, Brad's schedule right now is screwing that up a little bit, I think. Brad's schedule is screwing up, and he's still mad at me for not having seen Baby Driver yet. I also haven't seen Baby Driver, so we got that going for us. Yeah, I mean, I can, we, trade, we can trade Brad's. Uh, Andrew, have you seen Baby Driver? I have. Okay, new podcast. My yep. new Brad is yeah. your old Brad, and my old Brad is your new Brad. And we're just going to continue along like nothing happened. We we'll, always call it Camden Brad, and nobody will ever understand what happened. They both yeah. have beards. Yeah, all right. we're, we're both, as Brad says, large men with beards. Yes, large men. So I'm a large man. I'm an ex. I'm a medium husky. Anyway, so. well, thank you for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Um, you can find uh, the podcast at. Auto off, pod, Auto off Topic Podcast on Facebook. Auto Off Topic on Instagram. You can follow me, uh, Race and Anger, on Instagram. 
You can email us at autooftopic at gmail.com. And Brad, if anybody's still listening after this two-hour diatribe of Red Sox baseball and hey, uh, that's why it's called things, Auto Off Topic. That's true. It's very true. Uh, you can find me at TSISS350, um, and you can follow me at Vintage Imports of New England on Facebook and Instagram. All right. Good night, all. Keep the cars analog. Ooh.